okay, look, for those of you at home who are not well-versed with Tamil cinema, the bigger the pot belly, the bigger the moustache, the more manly that man is, okay? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> And it's your boy Roshan Gomez. You're listening to the Ruma Roy podcast. Special guest in the house today, Mr. Vishal Baskaran. Hi, Roshan. <laughs> awesome to be here. I'm in the noble house of Gomez <laughs> on this uh, fine Sunday with beautiful weather. How, how does it feel to be here? It feels great. I mean, you know, um, I don't come to Sugai Bulo very often. Mm. Uh, but once in a while when I do, I feel like this is a, a fantastic reason to do so. We've been uh, having good chat so far and I look forward to the rest of this podcast. I feel like I should become the ambassador for Sungai Bulo. I think you should. You're, <laughs> you're, you're painting Sungai Bulo in a fantastic light. <laughs> I'm bringing a lot of different people to Sungai Bulo <laughs> who so, otherwise would come here yeah. right <laughs> uh how are you doing man uh, uh how how has life been treating you because um i hear that there's going to be a mco tomorrow i've heard that as well mm. um you know as usual the the rumor mill starts churning very quickly before the actual news comes out um man it's not our first rodeo you know mm. so kind of used to it i've already been working from home for quite a while mm. so in that sense nothing out of the ordinary or, or nothing i would say unfamiliar to me mm. um man the systems are in place you know food panda subscription is on deck you know i'm ready yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's crazy la, like how much things have changed like i was walking the other day and i was just i just took a moment to realize how second nature it was for me to put on a mask yes yeah like you don't even realize you're putting it on you don't even realize it's on your face you don't and yep. you can go throughout the day just taking it on and off yep. like it's an extension yes. right correct it's insane in my car you know and a lot of malaysian cars have the hook for your tetare <laughs> yeah. it has become normal for my mask to sit there and yeah. then i take it off and put it on when i get in or not um it's funny how familiar we are with something that was so alien a year ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because we used to like watch all those um, newsreel videos of people in China yes. with the mask. Correct. Right? And it yep. looked like a post-apocalyptic um, scenario. Yes, correct. But now like everyone is wearing masks. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you the person who's not wearing a mask, you stare at them like they've got, you know, three-inch horns coming out of their head. Yeah. You're like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I walk around with sanitizer in my pocket everywhere I go. Yeah. Um, and when people aren't washing their hands or they're rubbing their nose, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even uh, when I go to the office, there has been about two occasions where I've forgotten my mask. Right, right. And so I have to make a quick, uh, I make a quick, uh, beeline to my office right. and I pray and hope that no one is going to live because you know you're yeah. going to be judged yes <laughs> outcast <laughs> which is a bad thing as well because yeah. sometimes people generally forget correct and even if um, they don't want to wear the mask I don't know whether calling them out is going to make it any different yeah um, man it really depends on the intention I think you know I, someone who forgets a mask is something I can forgive mm. someone who has a mask around their chin all day long you know what is that even that's just your your um, fine prevention device right yeah. you see a cop you cover your nose right. that to me is a lot worse you know you're, yeah. you're doing it just to satisfy um, I, I guess keep you away from being fined or getting into trouble versus yeah. the person who actually forgets so I counter that. Mm. I have a mask everywhere. There's spare masks in the car. There's spare masks in my work, in my laptop bag. Mm. There's spare masks in, uh, you know, my pouch that I carry around that has my power bank in it. You yep. will never catch me out. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think, right, if you see someone who's not wearing a mask, yeah. 
you should just give them a mask instead of like calling them out yeah. or shouting at them. Yeah. You should just give them a mask. Man, that that's fantastic. That is I really think, a love thy neighbor kind of thinking. Yeah, you know? I yeah, think so. Yeah. You know? I, I feel like that's the right thing to do because if that person genuinely forgot, they'll be appreciative. Yeah. If they forgot on purpose, you know, perhaps the feeling that you will give them is one of, hey man, I really should start caring about other people. Yeah, yeah. that's a great idea, Roshan. Because I've had a, I have a friend who is sort of a COVID denier. Okay, right. right. He's come on the podcast uh, before. Um, and you know, he's not a, like a dumb guy. He's actually, in fact, very intelligent. Right, right. He just sees things differently. Okay. He, part of it is maybe his personality. Sure. Uh, part of it is, a, you know, there is a genuine mistrust for the state. Okay. And I don't think that's misplaced. Hmm. We ourselves know how we feel about our government. Yes. When it comes to day-to-day affairs. Right. Can you imagine when it's something as important as this? Yeah. How are we to suddenly trust our government when there have been years of of negligence and fraud? Look mm. at our the, the, these past few years. Look at the number of uh, fraud you know fraud cases that yeah, are in yeah, the courts. Yeah. And the same people who were running with these guys are also in power now. That's true. And and so there's a lot of distrust, you know. Right. And I I don't and so I don't think um because he was telling me about something that happened to him he went to the bank and he refuses to wear a mask okay so someone saw him without a mask and started just shouting at him okay like who are you who the hell do you think you are put right, on right, your right. mask put on your mask right. like legit shouting at him yeah and that made him even more angrier okay and made him even more emboldened in the sense that he's not going to wear his mask i see oh goodness so i just feel like that's it's not it's achieved the wrong effect <laughs> huh? i okay so who do i trust Hmm. I have enough friends who are doctors right. in hospitals who I feel are the true subject matter experts. Hmm. What they tell me, I'm going to listen. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's from uh, from masking up to sanitizing your hands and washing your hands all the way to even the vaccine conversation. Hmm. A politician is going to tell you one thing and I'm not here to paint all politicians with the same brush by saying that, you know, we can't trust any of them. But... If a subject matter expert, such as a doctor who studied for five years to learn these things, is going to tell me that the negative effects of the vaccine are far less serious than the negative effects of the virus, mm. I'm going to listen. Yeah. 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 I mean, even for myself, because one big problem for me that I felt about this whole COVID this whole pandemic, and not just in Malaysia, but around the world, yes. is the messaging has been so poor. The messaging has been very, very, very poor. Right. Um, you know, like, for example, I, I I, don't understand why it took us until India for for people to turn on their cameras and show the effects of COVID yeah. for people to start taking it seriously. seriously. Yeah. It could have been done, like, last year. Yeah. Like, if in Malaysia, the hospitals were were maxed out and people were suffering, take a video, post it up, yeah. let people see the effects. It would yeah. have made a big difference. Instead, we have this... I mean, no offense to their age or their race or ethnicity, but you have these like 50-year-old Malay men yep. who's not communicating. I mean, I'm just generally saying, sure, like, not anybody sure. in particular. 50-year-old yes. yep. Malay men who's standing up on a daily basis yes. saying things that no one can really understand. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a disconnect between the person giving the message and the person receiving, right? Yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about and hats off to that guy. You know, <laughs> he's working harder than anyone sure. from what we see. Yeah. But... Um, there is a very fine line between uh, educating people mm. and scaring them. I think perhaps that might have been the reason why, um, you know, there was a lack of sensationalistic 
video evidence that they wanted to show us. Um, mm. You know, once in a while, you have a wholesome image of um, a bunch of doctors in scrubs or covered in sweat. But, you know, that's a hallmark card, man. That's yeah. not teaching anybody anything. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you don't want people to be, um, you know, hunkering down or, um, you know, hoarding toilet paper and soap and rice and baked beans. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder whether that's the reason why um, it was not pushed to the extreme of like, let's show them mm. how bad things are in hospital. You know, how people are on ventilators, having trouble breathing, yeah. um, you know, losing their sense of taste and smell, things like that. I, I, I wonder whether that's the reason why. Although mm. I do agree with you to the extent that once in a while, you need to show people the seriousness of the situation. Yeah. Um, Especially for the people who doubt the legitimacy of what's going on. Yes. Because there were a Correct. lot of people who were saying that this wasn't as serious as it was. Yeah. And that, um, you know, you just needed to sort of write it out, build yes. your immune system and Correct. things like that. You know, it's just the common cold, right? What's yeah. the big deal? That was the most com- That was actually the most famous thing. That is just Correct. a common cold. Yeah. If you're young and strong, you'll be fine, you yeah. know. I... I the, the conspiracy theory direction is a very slippery slope. It starts at this is the common call and it ends with there are tracking devices in the masks that we're wearing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. you can understand the struggle here, yeah. right? Yeah. My, my biggest thing about conspiracies, again, is I feel that governments are so incompetent. I don't see how they can coordinate a pandemic of this scale yep. for some sort of personal interest. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense it to me. It doesn't. It doesn't. And the degree of the 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 collaboration that we yep. take. You're talking about like countries in the UK now, for example, yes. who came out pretty much against it at first, but now the government is trying to roll back, right? Yep. And it's just, it just to me doesn't, Donald Trump. Yeah. Even Donald Trump also rolled back what he was saying oh about- Oh my goodness. About, we can talk oh. about this for six hours. <laughs> la. That was, you know, that, that was the conspiracy theory machine. Yeah. That was where it began. But um, I guess if we're, if we're talking about, you know, countries and preparation, I think for the most part, Nobody expected a pandemic like this could be so widespread so quickly. Mm. Um, you know, perhaps if it started at one, cre- one country, stayed in that one country, and then everybody else developed their methodology for dealing with it or their mitigation uh, steps and things like that. But it was in other countries besides China before people had a chance to prepare or were ready. Mm. I really don't know. I don't know what is the level of preparedness for something like this. I mean, you know, Malaysia is not a country of natural disasters. Yep. We don't have a, a, um, a, a typhoon or a, um, you know, an earthquake. Um, rally, la, yeah, rally. We, yeah, we don't. Um, you know, once in a while, we'll feel tremors from another country, perhaps. Yeah, or, um, or once in like a decade, we'll have like a tsunami kind correct, of thing. Yeah, you know, like what happened in Penang. Yeah. And, you know, in a situation like that, nobody has any visibility or information. What do you do? Mm-hmm. If I asked you, Roshan, what, am, what are you going to do on a plane in, 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 if there was an emergency? you would immediately know what to do. Hmm. What cabin crew tells you has probably been stuck in your mind. They say the same thing every single time. You know, don't inflate your light vest till you get out of the plane, you know, blow the whistle for attention. All of this is like, has been drilled into our heads. Similar steps for something like this, we never even thought about it. Hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. But like coming back to what you said, I think um, even though the messaging has, personally, I I feel the messaging has been bad. So for me, uh, going to people I trust mm-hmm. was helpful. Right. So right. talking to my brother who yep. who does uh, um, who's a scientist right. and looks at uh, and knows how to read reports okay. has been okay. helpful. Got it. Yep. Talking to my cousins who are doctors uh, and knowing that they're also competent doctors. Yes. Right. So I can trust what they are saying. And so when they tell me things, then I take it seriously because yep. these are people who I trust. Correct. These are people who have read the reports. Yep. And, and they're they subject matter experts. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's- they might and. 
that's when it comes to the science. Yes. Now, again, they might be wrong on the application, like whether sure. to have a lockdown or not, or even more theoretical things, which are important, like the right of the state and the right of the individual. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, even though something could be very dangerous, we must be very slow in taking away individual rights. Mm. You know, there must be a lot of caution when we do that, I think. Right. Um, Especially when it comes to countries that are not known for exercising authority correctly, <laughs> right? It must be done very, very carefully. Right. So, and the, in Malaysia, <laughs> it's a good example because a lot of sh- inverted commas, shady things happened right. in the name of the pandemic. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, this is really not a time for, for, for hearsay or uh, he said, she said. Yeah. Um, but in, you know, when you talk about um, people reporting the fact that they are unwell, mm. um, you know, home quarantine and things like that, the gaps in enforcement and in the system mm. perpetuate the distrust. Yeah. So I know, I, I, I agree with what you're saying in the sense that if we had, you know, a 10-page a dossier that said, this is exactly what you do, do nothing else. You could probably count on one hand the number of people who will follow it to a T because mm. that's the m- amount of people that trust these things fully. Yeah. Here, especially. Yeah. 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 You know, the funny thing is, I just thought to myself, people listening to this conversation will be thinking, oh, we shall must be some sort of, he must be in the policy, <laughs> policy making industry. He must be, Roshan seems to be going really hard on him on COVID. Know, he right? must be, like, he, guys. he must be in public health in some way. Roshan has finally got a public health expert <laughs> to talk about the policy. Full, full disclaimer, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen who are listening, I have a degree in mechanical engineering. I do not, Profess to have any level of expertise <laughs> in virology, in pandemics, in policy making. This is the topic of the day that has been uh, bugging Roshan's mind, and therefore he's talking to me about it. <laughs> On another day, it'll probably be, you know, why is the McDonald's delivery taking so slow? You know, we'll talk about logistics. Oh man! Like even when we were talking before the the podcast started, it was so funny because actually, I mean, I'm I'm gonna ask you about your background, but your sure, background sure, is basically more in journalism. Yes. Uh, in kind of in automated uh, automation. I mean, in the, in, you're interested in automobiles. Yes, that's right. Uh, luxury goods and that's things right. like that. Correct. <laughs> but before the podcast uh, started, <laughs> I was like, "What have you been following the Ganapati case?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, there is a there is a an attention deficit level of of jumping between topics that took place before this podcast started. Having said that, whatever Roshan asked me, I will answer to the best of my abilities. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man. Can you can you introduce yourself? To sure, everybody? sure. Hi, everyone. After that fantastically long introduction, I am Vishal Baskaran. I, uh, in a past life, I was an automotive journalist. Right. Um. I, actually, I would say automotive photojournalist. I did take my own pictures when I was reviewing cars. Mm. Um. You know, hope that doesn't. I'm, I don't sound like I'm patting my back too much. <laughs> um. But I also spent some time uh, as a public relations PR practitioner. Um. And now I. Uh, do corporate, no, sorry, I do sourcing for a car subscription service called Flux. Right. So I find the right cars that people can subscribe to either for uh, private or individual reasons or if you are a company. So you started off uh, as a journalist in, uh, how did, this? A, it's a bit of a funny jump, right? Completely, So yes. how did you go from studying mechanical engineering sure. to becoming a, 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 journalist. a journalist? Okay, so this is essentially the lesson on how to disappoint Asian parents 101. <laughs> No, no, I'm not going to... Like, look, that's the stereotype. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to uh, say that that's my own personal experience because I got the full support from uh, yeah. from mom and dad. Um, essentially, 
while searching for engineering work as a fresh graduate, I started writing on the side mm. just for a bit of side income. Mm. Um, it was a way to, you know, it's something I've, I've always been interested in. Um, I'm a great, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I consume a lot of automotive media. Right. Um, I'm a fan of the greats, you know, Chris Harris and Top Gear and Jeremy Clarkson and, you know, Autocar Magazine. So I grew up on all these things, mm. um, you know, and if we want to talk about a few Malaysian titles, Talk Magazine was big, Autocar Malaysian was big. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, now, well, most of it has moved online, but, you know, Top Gear Malaysia, a lot so, of titles. So yeah. w- what, what about cars yes. drew you to cars? Oh, goodness. Okay, so according to my mother, okay, the second word I said was car. Damn. So for me, there was just pure fascination uh, for these things, which started with toys and then it moved on to the real thing. And I I can't remember a time that I wasn't a car person. Right. It's just always been the case. And if you ask me what I find so fascinating about cars... Um, I'm going to, I guess, name drop a good friend of ours, Aisa from right. Seek to Speak. Um, I told her the same I thing. I hate Aisa. She's the worst, <laughs> worst person ever. Aisa, if you're this- listening to this, you know, your persona non grata, you're never invited back into this house. Legit, the past three podcasts, I've been talking about Aisa and I've been talking shit about Aisa. <laughs> oh, goodness, poor Aisa. Guys, this is just lawyer rivalry, okay? From one lawyer to another. Um, so I told her that for me, this was, uh, uh, you know, a, a car is a vessel for you to be free. Mm. You know, it is a living space that moves. You know, people like to go home because your home is a comfortable, static living space. Yeah. I find that to be true of cars, just in the only difference being that they move. Mm. Um, and, you know, they are more than just, wow, uh, metal and plastic and nuts and bolts and oil and grease. Um there are feelings and there are memories that are very much a part of each person's life mm. that probably have a lot to do with some of the cars they grew up in. 100%. I was just watching How I Met Your Mother the other day. Okay. And um, I can't remember the episode, but have you watched How I Met Your Mother? Here and there. Okay. So one of the characters, Marshall. Okay. Yeah. Basically, he loses his dad. Right, right. Yes. And so then a few episodes later, something else is going on, but then he has sort of a... Uh, flashback? I, I, yeah. He has a flashback. Because I think that episode is where he's planning to have a kid right okay right and then he throws back to a memory he had as a child growing up and he's sleeping at the back seat and his parents are in the front and his mm. dad is driving and he sees the road uh in front being really really dark right and then he said he says something like i never felt so safe before right that even though there's darkness ahead i knew my dad was like driving and then yep. he has a moment where his dad is looking at him from the rear view. mirror yeah and i had growing up i had definitely had that as an experience okay especially Driving back to Sungai Buloh, yep. the NKVE, yep. you know, there's the 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 lime, um, there's the, the there's yeah, the, big rock formation. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Got it was it. really, back in the day, it was really, really dark. Correct. It's only now that they've got these nice lights, the lights on there. Yeah, 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 colored yeah. lights, right? Correct. Yes. But before that, it was just warm lights. Sure. So it was very dark. But I remember very clearly as a child feeling like that, really right. safe, Intimidated, right? but not, not scared because, you know, your dad is behind the wheel. Yeah, exactly. Got it, got it. And yeah. it's like such a powerful... And it's something about the, the car being so small, right? Yes. And so me and my brother would, you know, be sleeping, legit sleeping on the seats. Sure. Uh, like a bit like dogs at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, not safe, huh? Please buckle up. But okay, yes, carry on. Restraint system is very important. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think I, I legit, I, I feel what you're saying in that we have powerful uh, emotions. Yes, absolutely. With yeah. Cars. Yeah. 
you know, uh, let's let's talk about you for a second. Um, you know, before we started, we were talking about your Myvi outside. <laughs> yeah. Now, guys, you know, the Produa Myvi is an icon. Yeah. Okay, let's be real. Um, a lot of people, for a lot of people, this was their first car. Mm. For a lot of people, they went from an older Myvi to a newer generation just because, you know, at that price range, um, do you really need to spend any more than that? Maybe, maybe not. Mm. Um, this is a car that fulfills, you know, all your requirements and then some and then enjoyment. Mm. Roshan, if you were driving this car since you got a license, you mm. know, I, there's probably countless number of times that um, you've been on nights out with friends in the car, having mm. a good time. You I, know, have, yeah. I had breakups in that, those cars. There you go, yeah. <laughs> I profess love in those, those cars. cars. <laughs> That's right. See? That car has seen a lot. If <laughs> these cars car, could talk, man. If yeah. that car could talk, man. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, just because you can't see him, Roshan has this look on his face right now that I kind of don't want to dig into. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, you're 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 definitely right. And honestly, my Myvi is in bad shape. I see. Um, in the sense Poor that it, it has a lot of character. Right. A lot of character. So, guys, character is another way to 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 disguise flaws. Huh? Yeah, the character. Man. Ah, yes, it's a human. It's, no, no, it's insane. <laughs> like, uh, there was one point, right? My car just sounded like a, you know, like. If you watch the Transformer movies, they're <laughs> changing goodness. like the... <laughs> Whenever I drove, it sounded exactly like that. But people, it was still driving though. It was still driving. People come in and like, dude, you need to send your car to mechanic. I'm like, I send it. Don't know what's wrong. <laughs> right? And then just after oh like two goodness. years, it was a problem for two years. Right. The sound disappeared, bro. <laughs> See, the car got fed up, you know. It didn't get the attention it wanted out of you, so it just gave up. The other yeah. day, the other day, my brother picked up his girlfriend from the airport. Sure. He took my car. So coming on the way back, then he reaches home, then he tells me the aircon just dies. It's like hot, hot air coming out. Right. Then I'm like, no, no, you have to understand the Myvi, it's, it has AI technology. <laughs> it just reconfigured because the bag was heavy. So it, it took energy from the aircon, it shut down right. to, to give energy to the... the to the luggage. Yeah, to carry, to carry the oh, luggage. Okay. And then he was like laughing. Went back in my car. Dude, the aircon came back came on. Back on. <laughs> okay. I am going to bust this myth for you yeah. right now. And right. I'm so glad that this is something I read three weeks ago. <laughs> okay. This first generation Myvi yeah. had an issue uh, um, where the condenser, I believe, when the aircon, when you've switched it on to too cold, um, it actually freezes up oh, and yeah. it stops working and then you get hot air. And the reason why you got cold air again later is because it had the process had reversed, you know, it right. had melted and it was working again. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you don't need to change anything, but this is something that happens when, okay, so it's a double negative. You want very cold, it goes so cold that it stops giving you cold. <laughs> you understand? Right. Right. For instance, it sounds like a metaphor for life. I, for uh, some pretty much, pretty much. But the good news is you don't have to change anything. But I did hear that this was a problem in the first gen Correct. Myvi. Yes. And a lot of people later, would, they did upgrade their aircons uh, yes. because of it. Yep. Which um, you haven't done, clearly. I have not done, man. <laughs> but I, I agree with you. I, I don't know. I personally have always been a fan of uh, a Parodua cars. Yeah. Um, okay, maybe we can get into that. But yeah, so you were talking about uh, your interest in cars. Yes. How you got into it. Correct. Right? So, 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 so part-time became full-time. Hmm. Um, long story short, I was enjoying writing. Um, I, there weren't the kind of automotive engineering careers available at that time that I was looking for. Hmm. So, you know, part-time became full-time. And I ended up being an automotive journalist for, uh, wow, two and a half years where the final one, one plus year included, um, like I mentioned earlier, um, a bit of F&B, a little bit of uh, timepieces, watches, and sometimes hotels and restaurants. Nice, nice. Yep. Yep. So you were just basically going around and trying these things and writing reviews about them. 
Okay, there is not a single person that I've told this to that hasn't uh, given me the face that you're giving me right now. Um, with <laughs> it that sounds tone, like a good with, life, With man. that tone in your voice, completely judgmental. <laughs> Roshan, you are 110% absolutely spot on. I was being paid to enjoy the finest things and write about them. Right, right. Yes. Because, I mean, some people, I mean, I just feel that with some people, their jobs sound pretty great. Lah. Yes. And even though you do something all the time, it's still like uh, one of my cousins uh, is a... Uh, uh, um, he writes for for movies, right? Okay, lovely. And so he studied he studied uh, film film, right? Okay. So then, um, his friends would always make fun of him, because, especially friends from a different um, in the, like a, studying a different thing. Yeah. Because they would like come into his room, yes. and then he'd be watching like SpongeBob, but yeah. it would be for it's work, right? It's work. Yeah, 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 correct. <laughs> and they were like, "Are you? Sh- is this legit? <laughs> is this real? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. You know, uh um, you know, I would bring uh, um, a five-liter Mustang GT, um, right. you know, to KLI to do a photo shoot. And I'm like, oh, guys, you know, work today was really tiring. And uh, oh, give me one second. Just continue talking. Sure, sure. Yeah. You know, uh, work today was really tiring. And uh, and nobody would have any sympathy for me whatsoever because work for me that day um, was driving a muscle car up and down um, the North-South Highway. So I've got free reign of this podcast right now, uh, boys and girls, because Roshan is plugging in his laptop so I can say anything and everything and he's back. Oh, that was so close. Man. <laughs> that was so close. Because my, like my, my, my Mac is super old. It's like 10 years old. <laughs> Do you take care of anything, Roshan? I think I take care of things too well, to be oh, fair. Maybe that's why they last. Yeah. Actually, well done. Yeah. So it, it was at like 5%. Right. And for me, 5% means you have 30 seconds to plug it in. <laughs> right. Oh, thank God. Okay. Well anyway. done. Yes. No, okay, so you, you, what is the best experience you've ever had? Okay, I have an answer for this right. because it is so clear in my mind until today. Okay. Okay, so I've driven all sorts of amazing cars, um, you know, and completely life-affirming, man. You know, um, I was at a temple at the top of the hill in Thailand um, and, oh, goodness, I struggled to remember where it was. Wat Rongkun is the white temple, but that's not where we were. We were um, a short drive away um, at a hilltop temple that had a big Buddha statue. And I remember looking out from the top of this hill and thinking, I'm so grateful for these things that I'm able to do. Mm. Uh, and it was a very humbling moment. But, you know, that's just something that was like an enlightening thing, right? It was mm. just a bit of self-realization. Mm. Um, is self-realization a redundant thing to say? Why? I don't know. No, no, no. Okay, yeah, because you can't say realization. Who's who's realization, right? <laughs> no, but I so think it's true of... though because like, you know, I feel like we, we where we are right now in society yes. is that we are trying to throw a light on all the things that we need to improve on. Right. Inequality, yeah. unfairness, sure. uh, the things in our government that's not right yeah. or the way we treat our young people. Yeah. And that's all legit and right. we need to do that yes but we should also take a moment to realize you know yep. the blessings that we have yes in fact if you're in malaysia you are blessed you are blessed you are completely you blessed. are blessed yes yeah right the, and that does not have to take away from the fact that there are things to work on Correct. and improve room for improvement for yeah. sure but yep. you always should take the moment to realize that dude you can go turn, you can open food panda yes you can order any type of food you want correct whatever you want you yes. can just order it and it will come to you correct of course yes you need money and all that but yep. just the ability yep. to do that yes and the ability to grind and make money if you have to and to you know there's correct. so many things options life liberty in the pursuit of happiness right yeah yeah, yeah 100% yeah. sorry I, I realized that I didn't completely answer your question earlier yeah. so the 
best experience that I had um, was I was covering a Ferrari Owners Club drive from KL to Thailand. Right. Uh, it's a five-day drive. Um, and it was really, it was a club activity. Okay. Uh, but, you know, this was like, um, uh, there was a celebration of an anniversary. Right. Um, so, you know, we're talking about 20 cars, 20 Ferraris in a convoy, KL to Thailand. Roshan was a site. Yeah. But in one of the hotels that we stayed with, uh, which was the Anantara in Trang, yeah. um, you know, I did a bit of work on the hotel itself, just writing about the hotel. Uh, and I had a conversation with some of the people who worked there, mm. um, including the head chef. Mm. Um, I believe he's no longer at that hotel. Um, if I recall correctly, his name was Chef Mohan. Mm. Um, he was an Indian national. Mm. Um, and he was speaking to me about, you know, how he works um, with people who uh, handle local produce or the fishermen, you know, in terms of putting food together for the hotel. You think that, you will imagine that for a hotel, you know, you've got big suppliers who are giving you all your produce and all your meat and fish and things like that. But he used to spend time in the mornings walking down the beach because this was a, um, a seafront hotel, mm. talking to the fishermen and finding out what you know, was the catch of the day or what good things they've caught or what he can expect uh, probably in the following week and creating interesting things for his guests. So he told me, listen, tomorrow's breakfast spread is going to be amazing. You know, our hotel breakfasts are great. I want you to try one thing. Um, there is a bun that we're very proud of. It's just a normal sweet bun. Try that with our black coffee. And I will tell you the simplicity of it and the combination of the coffee's, you know, natural mild bitterness uh, versus the bun is is like you know beauty the likes of which that I can't describe unless you try it mm. you know just enjoy your breakfast start with that and then try everything else I did it and like he said it was amazing mm. now months later the article comes out in the magazine and I get a couple of um, copies sent back um, to to uh, the hotel so that uh, these guys can you know have a look at what we said about it um and the person who I was dealing with told me that Chef Mohan read the article um, and it brought him to tears. Mm -hmm. And I will never forget this because this was one of the only times that something I wrote about somebody's work was seen by the creator themselves and they appreciated it. And I will carry this with me forever because... Mm -hmm. This is not really a conversation that people have when all the amazing things are going on behind the scenes to give you that one fantastic experience, whether it's hospitality or anything else. Mm. But I was able to tell this one little story about um, this guy's, I don't want to use the word competence, he's an artist. Mm. Um, but you know, our readers were able to read it and he was able to see it and somebody recognized it. And to him, that was very meaningful. Mm. And man, you know, this is four years ago now. Uh, Chef Mohan, if you're listening to this, I hope you're well. You're an awesome guy. Definitely be listening but to this. But I, you know, I'll, I'll send it. I'll share it, you know, like, share, subscribe. Um, but that was something that made me realize that the work I do has meaning. Mm. You know, it's not just a job. Nice, yeah. man. Yeah. That's great. I like that with all the luxury stuff you've... Uh, You've consumed, you found so much of joy in something simple. Yes. That's, that's strange, pretty amazing. Man. Because the, the the thing that connects, you know, a premium product to a simple product, hmm. when they are both good quality of good value, is that a lot of thought and a lot of effort goes on behind the scenes. Right. You know, some of the most simple things on earth um, may seem simple to you and me, but that's what good design is, right? It's simple. Yeah. It's elegant, right? It's elegant, Ele correct. Simplicity is uh, elegance. Correct. But at the same time, you know, when you have the intricacies of a mechanical watch, hmm. um, you know, we're talking about minute components that are, you know, less than, you know, they're 
a millimeter is big. You know, when you talk about a watch's hairspring or, a, or a, you know, see the parts, aren't, the components aren't coming to my mind right mm. now. But what you see is the face. Mm. What's going on behind the face that creates the simple ticking of time mm. is also craftsmanship and a level of thinking that perhaps normal mortals like you and I can't comprehend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, got I, a bit philosophical there. It's fair, man. <laughs> Actually, watches are very philosophical. Are you a watch guy? Okay, here's the thing. And so I, I was a bit, I did have a bit of repetition going into this talk with you because I'm actually not, uh, as you can see, you know, I have a Myvi, yes. 10 year old Mac. Yeah. I'm not really a, a thing kind, a okay, things okay. person. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, but I, I, well, I appreciate skill. Okay. And yes. I realized that um, I can appreciate when things are made well. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you might not personally consume or buy these things, mm. uh, but you have an understanding and appreciation for the work that goes on, you know, yeah. creating it. Yeah. yeah especially, totally. as, especially things that last. I've yes. always appreciated things that last. Yeah. Because I feel that just goes to the quality. So Correct. sometimes I feel a bit uh, sad that the way things are made now, it's made not to last because technology moves so oh, fast. We're right? going into the tech conspiracy theory right now. <laughs> no, but, no, but you're not wrong. Don't you think it's true? The rate at which things become obsolete these days mm. um, is frightening. And yeah. you know, if you were to stay ahead of the curve and buy a new phone every year and buy a new car every year and upgrade your MacBook every year, you know, goodness, you'd be living in the car with the MacBook and, and the phone. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like when I was growing up, we had a Sony TV, right? right. It, it survived about 15... Fat, right? With the CRT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. When Correct. you put yeah. your hand, when it turns off, you put your hand there. It's it warm, yeah, yeah. And your, and your the hair on your head stands up. Okay, guys, look, I swear we're not weird, okay? This is a shared experience. All Indian boys or any of you who have hair on your arms and legs, this is just a magical effect. And nobody had a discussion about this. We individually did these yeah. weird things in our homes. For sure, for sure. But yeah, it lasted so long though, that, 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 that TV. It was like 15, maybe 20 years. There you go. But now, like the TV I have now, which is about maybe six, seven years, I don't think if I were to buy a, a PS4, right. I don't think it would even, not to say it won't be compatible, but it wouldn't have the best effect. Yeah, you're not getting the full resolution. Perhaps. Exactly, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's because it's a testament to technology always progressing uh, at such a fast yeah. rate. Like, yeah. I mean, look, um, VR is going to come soon, man. Yeah. And when we, VR comes, definitely all our uh, entertainment... Uh, is going to change. <laughs> it yeah, has to change. Correct. I, I guess you, you need to choose, or perhaps, <coughs> excuse me, this is what I do. Mm. I choose the vice. You know, mm. I'm not going to upgrade everything every year. Yeah. But if there's a particular thing or a particular gadget or a particular line of technology um, that for me is is very exciting, right. then, you know, that's the that's the gadget that I'm going to, I guess, replace more often. But man, you know, you've got your MyV. I've got my Prodoa Axia. Shout out to Prodoa. Yeah. Um, you know, it's six years old. It's, it's <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm the kind of person that if it lasts, I'm not going to replace it. The car that you didn't see me come in today, if I have the first car that I ever owned was yeah. a 1995 Honda Accord. Yeah. And it is still with me today. It's 26 years old. I've yeah. had it for 11 or 12 years. Yeah. So yeah. Like, like I was telling you just now, this is my V, yes. right? Because I've gone through so much with it, right? even though it has all its weird quirks. Yeah, quirks. Um. My parents have been telling me, just sell the damn thing. Just yeah, sell the damn thing. Yeah. But I feel actually generally sad to sell it. Yes. Because I feel connected to it. Like I've <laughs> so many things. This car 
has saved my life. Okay. You know, it has, yes. it has been good to me. Right. And I feel I would almost be betraying it. <laughs> <laughs> By letting somebody else have it, right? Yeah. I think the only way in which, you know, I can accept is that if I knew this person and I knew this person would take care of the car, they genuinely have better use um, of it than I would and the cars are just piling up at home, yeah. you know, and I really do need to replace because my needs have changed. Maybe yeah. there are children and three dogs in the picture, <laughs> you know, so when, when the practicality overtakes the sentiment that maybe I've got to do it, but other than that, I am completely on the same page with you. Yeah, yeah. because uh, I mean, I'm not, not to say I've gotten into many accidents, but definitely... Yeah. I've gotten into accidents. There's some scrapes. Yeah. Okay. There was one year in particular, that it was so weird, but in a span of like three months, um, I had got, no, in the span of three months, I got into two accidents. Okay. One was, I honestly, until today, I don't know what happened. I was in, I parked my car, went for a wedding. I came to my, my back to the car and it was hit. Oh goodness, so, hit and run. Hit and run. La. Right. And then, before I could fix that, I was driving in Sonia making a U-turn I stopped at the U-turn because cars are, are going by. Sure. A bus didn't see me right. and just hit me. But it wasn't going at full speed. Right, right, it was right. Slowly, so it slowly hit me. Right. So basically my back and my car door, my side, was smashed in. So when I went back to my hometown and I was driving home, my aunties all saw my car. <laughs> then one of my cousins said, one of my aunts saw my car and did the sign of the cross. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> 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 she probably even you know didn't even do it on purpose it probably was just a natural reaction like oh my goodness there goes my my uh, pillar yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah because if you didn't know it looked like that car had gone through like <laughs> war you know it's like <laughs> okay guys this is just subtle messaging don't buy Roshan's car okay it's been knocked left and right just make sure he keeps it do you want to do something controversial oh shoot Okay, we have I some. am yes totally ready I feel we like that was some. a sign from the universe to not do it but okay yeah. let's do it um Perodua Proton. Okay. Okay. A lot of people actually swear for either. Yes. Very divided camps. Yeah. Yes. So it's a bit of a controversial uh, topic. Topic. Okay. But I'm just going to put it out there. All I right. honestly think Perodua is superior. Okay. Now, it's been a colorful, well, 1986. Let me just do some quick math. Goodness, 15, 25. Okay. Um, it's been a colorful 25 odd years um, in the Malaysian automotive industry, okay, where the granddaddy, the originator, was the Proton Saga. Mm. Okay, um, and some years later, in the early 90s, uh, we were blessed with the Proton Kanchil. Yeah, man. Okay, uh, which most of us learned how to drive in. Yep. Okay, in our respective driving schools. There was a very clear mandate at the time of the segments in which Proton was supposed to look after and the segments in which Proton was supposed to look after. Produa was, was supposed to give people, essentially, cheap and cheerful mobility. Mm. You know, Kanchil, Kalisa, Viva, um, you know, Kambara, that sort of thing. Proton took care of sedans, market, and, you know, very active in terms of uh, performance cars as well back then. If you remember the Putra, Satria cars like this. Mm. So wait, the uh, mandate comes from the state, is it? I, no, okay. Maybe mandate is the wrong word, you know, uh, and I, I got to be conscious of the fact that I use the word mandate while so talking they, to a or, lawyer. <laughs> or, or basically they just... Gentleman's agreement. Right, yeah, right, right. That, you know, Proton is here to take care of, um, you know, mass and performance and, you know, uh, I guess to a certain extent, um, uh, executive and even uh, state duties, you know, with cars like the Perdana, Perdana Executive. Um, whereas Perodua was like, look, this is the next stepping stone after a motorcycle. 
Mm. Okay, when you need a little bit more space and you need, you know, protection from the elements and a bit more safety and practicality, the answer was the most um, attainable or the most affordable Prodwa at that time. That was supposed to be, um, I guess, the way in which the market was divided up. Mm. Um, the thing that I will say about Prodwa is that Prodwa kept to their area of expertise in these... I just realized that my math was off. Mm. Um, and this is the problem with being a 90s baby, you know, <laughs> because when you think uh, 10 years ago, you think it's the 90s, right? <laughs> um, so 1985 was 35, as a, 35 <laughs> years ago, Roshan. My goodness, I said 25. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, back to, sorry, back to Prodwa and Proton. Yep. So Prodwa, since the early 90s, since the Kanchil until today, continued to do what they were not only very good at, um, but they did it very well. So it wasn't just a case of giving us, <clears throat> excuse me, replacements to the Kanchil ad infinitum. Um, they branched out, you know, there was a um, small SUV in the form of Kambara. There was a people mover in the form of a Rusa, if you remember the Rusa. Mm. Um, you know, Kanari. Kanari, that's right. Um, which was, um, I would say, I wouldn't call Oddly it... designed car. Okay, so a car like the Kanari is completely relevant in the Japanese market mm. because they have K cars there that they need to have a very small footprint in terms of area. Mm. But the higher the car is, the more you can fit inside. Mm. So the Canary was oddly designed to the Malaysian eye, mm. but completely relevant. And in fact, every self-respecting Japanese brand in Japan created a car that somewhat looked like that with a different name. Mm. Okay. So Perodwa has been doing the cheap and cheerful since they launched as a uh, Perusahaan Automobile Kadua, Perodwa, that's where the name comes from. Mm. Um, Proton had, I would say, periods where perhaps the focus shifted and had to be brought back. Mm. So if you talk about keeping to the mission statement, Perodwa has been an overachiever in that sense. Mm. Um, if you talk about you know needing to come back to the right path, mm. that is where Proton is right now. Mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so so there may have been a period where you were wondering whether the proton portfolio was what people um, needed was it satisfying the wants of the average malaysian uh, was it positioned correctly um, was the quality uh, what they i guess as a brand um, you know did proton quality stay the same or you know had it dropped did it need to be improved once again so it, there are a lot of topics that you can talk about um, in terms of where Proton started, what the midlife looked like and where they are now. Yeah. But if I'm going to be completely objective and talk about Prodwa, I don't see uh, there ever being a point where they lost their way. Mm. Yeah. I, I remember when I was in high school, Proton having, a, a, I mean, Proton having, being sort of like attacked in terms, in respect of quality. La. Like I remember right. one of my teachers saying, if you scratch a, a proton. If yep. you scratch off the paint, yep. you'll see the, the metal written there, Milo. Like he's oh trying to say... Oh my goodness. <laughs> what a terrible person. Yeah. That. <laughs> proton I didn't see that coming though, the by the way. Yeah, made of Milo tins. <laughs> the thing is, right, I know proton fanboys who yeah. say this about Perodua. So really? this is really just the catch-all Malaysian car joke that is yeah. made out of Milo tins. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Maybe the, the ones who who got it the worst is Milo. <laughs> maybe, maybe. You know, but I was like, look, guys, on Milo? there's nothing wrong with our tins. Milo yeah. could be making some pretty good quality tins. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Proton or Proto, I don't care who you are. When the Milo truck rolls up, everybody's friends. Yeah, yeah. definitely. 
Um, so I've I've also never been much of a car guy, right? Okay, so right. I don't know something about the way my brain works. Yes. Uh, but I've never been able to sort of like, like I'm not a person who will like a car goes by. Now, oh, that's a. I listen to it and I see. Oh, that's a RX seven or, okay, or whatever. Right. You can't identify on sight and sound. Nah, okay, man. Sure. You know. Right. Um, and so I wonder though. Do how much can a driving experience change? Because right. for me, I've only. I mean, I've driven other cars, uh, but I've my I'm used to a Perdua. Okay, right, right. I, I feel comfortable in a Perdua. Right. In fact, if like a family member asks asks me to repark their car or drive with their Honda, for example, right. you feel a bit like uncomfortable. Right. Because it's not your car. Yes. It's also a a new car, so you don't really have time to adjust to it. Yes. But I wonder how much can comfortability or the, how much can the driving experience change right. between uh, Malaysian cars yes. but also between a local car and uh, a foreign car. Okay, is right. it overhyped? Okay. Um, this is where the marketing machine really, I would say, uh, earns its salary. Mm. Um, you know, in a lot of comparisons, um, if you took the Myvi, for example, the, the latest Myvi, and you started comparing it to, um, you know, similar B-segment cars like the Honda Jazz or the Toyota Vios or the Toyota Yaris hmm. or Nissan Almera um, or Honda City for that matter. This is a discussion which is a lot more fair in terms of value and quality than you may think. Hmm. The perception of quality because a car is A, either foreign or B, a foreign assembled, um, does it really hold water today? A lot of the evidence suggests that it doesn't. Right. The cars that we make locally are actually very good quality. Mm. Um, you know, uh, back in my uh, journalist days, I used to write for Cars, Bikes and Trucks, which was a New Straits Times um, automotive pullout. Mm. Um, you know, we did speak to Prodway engineers, um, you know, about uh, the manufacturing process, the assembly process. Um, and, you know, you do realize that you can't make things that are low quality or unsafe. You just can't. Mm. Especially when you're talking about a car because imagine the fallout yeah. of a bad product. Yeah. Um, and Prodoa is a company that makes or sells upwards of 200,000 cars a year. Yeah. If one model line were to have bad press or negative attention and suddenly they're selling 40,000 fewer cars, that would be a disaster for them and the people who work for that company. Mm. Um, ditto for Proton, you know. Um, I feel like perhaps um, either anecdotes of quality in the past are persistent mm. and maybe that's why people think that, um, you know, imported cars or foreign cars are better quality today. It's also inherited biases, like, I suppose, Absolutely. from your family. It is inherited bias, yes. Um, and, you know, when you talk about all the bias that can happen in a household, mm. if your father's a Liverpool fan, chances are you're going to be a <laughs> Liverpool fan or you're going to get disowned. Yeah, yeah. Same with cars. If, um, if dad says that uh, Mercedes-Benz is the last word in safety and quality, yeah. This is the indoctrination that's going to happen from the time you're a child. Now, I'm not using Mercedes-Benz as an example uh, because, you know, they, they don't deserve that reputation of quality and safety. They totally do. But does that mean that other brands in a competing space don't deserve that reputation? Probably not. Mm. Um, the, the unforgiving nature of uh, uh, crash tests, mm. uh, which happen before a, a car goes to production, Yep. Or really the fact that consumers these days are so well informed that any lapse in quality or any lapse on customer service or care will either cause problems for that particular car model you're trying to sell or for your brand as a whole. You can't afford to mess around anymore. Because you will make a giant loss if you... I mean, recalls are... Expensive. Yeah. Hugely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. 
Right, right, right. What mm. about luxury cars though? Right. How much can it how much can the experience change? Okay. Let me draw an analog for you. Let me give you a parallel. Okay. okay? If somebody asks me, or if somebody asks anyone who um I guess appreciates single malt whiskey or fine whiskey, okay? Right. Is a 35-year-old whiskey that much better than an 18-year-old whiskey or even a 12-year-old whiskey? My question to you is going to be, how does a 35-year-old whiskey make you feel? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it tastes, you know, okay, goodness, uh, Ben Romark 35, okay? Um, velvety, you know, smooth, complex, beautiful, brilliant. When I close my eyes, I can still taste it. Right. But drinking it gave me a feeling that went beyond the taste. Mm. It's like, today is a good day. Today mm. is a day for this whiskey. Right. And I had it and it elevated my mood. So if we pull this back to cars, if your Maserati or your Ferrari or your Lamborghini gives you a particular feeling when you drive it, then it doesn't really matter whether it is that much better when you talk about the delta in price between that or a Proton X70. Mm. Irrelevant. Because this car is more than A to B. It's more than a tool. It's more than, you know, um, mobility and, and appliance in your house. It gives you a particular feeling which can range from I've arrived to I'm comfortable or I appreciate the craftsmanship that's gone into this car. And, you know, feeling the tactility of these buttons with my fingers gives me a certain sense of enjoyment. It can be whatever it is, but you can't put a price on that feeling. Yeah. As long as you can afford the price of that feeling, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah. yeah, I guess even when it comes to whiskeys, um, like for myself personally, there are some whiskeys that I just don't like, even though they have a reputation for being uh, and good. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. The the problem with things like whiskey and coffee, um, and you know, if we 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 steer down that path of, um, you know, artisanal drinks or food, is that people. Um, make the assumption or perpetuate the stereotype that if something is more expensive, mm. it's automatically better. Yeah. The marketing machine has got you again, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. If you like something, Roshan, if you like red label and you like to put coconut water in your red label <laughs> and you're having the time of your life, yeah. I will say hats off to you. Enjoy. Right. Cheers. You right, know? Right, yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, and that's interesting because I do know many people who sometimes have a bit of a condescending uh, view. Right. You know, you you'd, for lack of a better word, you meet snobs. Like. You meet snobs. You will you always meet snobs. snobs. You meet car snobs. You meet watch snobs, whiskey snobs. You meet all the snobs. Yeah, yeah. and it, it 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 sometimes it's funny because it 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 has nothing to do with the the personal feeling, but it's a sort of sense of superiority. Like, Correct. If you don't like this, then you're not smart enough. Yes. You don't. Understand. You're not sophisticated enough. You don't, you don't get, get it. it. Yes. Right. Yeah. And to a certain extent, that might be true. Like certain movies, maybe if I. Exp- you, you don't like it, but if someone to explain it to you, you might see, oh, there's it's that deeper things that I didn't catch. Correct, yes. But if that is also still explained to me and I still don't like the movie, yeah. I don't like the movie. You don't like the movie. It's not a big deal. Yeah, it right? doesn't make you a troglodyte just because, you know, you, <laughs> you watch Clockwork Orange and you're like, I can't make head or tail of what's going on here. It's, yeah. um, but the thing about, I guess, if I wanted to differentiate movies and, and um, you know, something like a whiskey... Um, oh my goodness! I'm in danger of becoming a snob myself right? <laughs> if I go down this path. Go for no, it. Man. Okay, I, 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 I think I think if you're you, in danger of knowing that you're a snob, then you're not a snob. Then you're not a snob. Yeah, okay. I think I think that should be the general rule. <laughs> so if you never think you're a snob, but people think you are, you probably really mm. are. Okay. Um, I think movies need to be approached um, with a certain mindset. If I'm going to watch um, Twelve Years a Slave, 
I'm not going to go in there with Fast and Furious 8, Vin Diesel family, you know, explosions. I'm, I'm not going to have that frame of mind when I walk in. Yeah. Um, but when you talk about things that you consume, I think the best frame of mind is completely and utterly open. Right. Clear brain, you know, just go there, taste it. You either like it or you don't, or maybe you don't like it right now. And then, you know, do you develop a taste for it later? I think the problem with movie snobbery is that people are using the wrong frame of reference or the wrong context to examine a movie. Mm. When people say this movie is good, this movie is bad, it's actually very hard to say whether a movie is good or bad, but is it good yeah. for the genre? Is it good for the audience? What were they trying to do? Yeah, and actually it's yeah. a deeper deeper question of what is art. Yes. Because, oh and that's goodness. actually not an easy, <laughs> it's not an easy question. It really isn't. Like, yeah. philosophers Correct. have asked the question, yeah. what makes something beautiful? Yes. And it's, if, uh, just a deeper introspection makes it, it quickly reveals how difficult it is. Yes. Because it leads to more questions, if yeah. anything. Yeah. Because you could watch something like the Avengers for the first time and it yes. could blow your mind. Yes. Okay. And you think that's good. Yes. But someone who's watched something like the Avengers multiple times yep. will not think the Avengers is good. Right. And the reason why you liked Avengers originally is because of how original it was. Right. But a person who has watched something like that or yes. something superior yep. knows that this is not original. And yes. so then it's not good for that person will not find it good. So then it becomes very subjective. What yes. is, what makes something good? Right. So right. what you're saying is a very important point, which is that everyone's personal experience shapes their perspective. Yes, definitely. The perception is, you know, of, of what, of something being good or bad is shaped by your upbringing, um, what art you've consumed in the past, you know, right. how you are as a person. Um, there was, there was, there was something that I was going to say, okay, yeah, we talk about beauty. What is beauty, right? When you look at a person, right? What is beauty? So, you know, I, I come from an engineering background and for me, I try to make everything as black and white as possible because that's the way in which I understand things best. Yeah. So, Ingenious generally. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, this is the, the, the grace and curse of, of who we are. I, I think it's a flaw because sometimes I'm not very good at, at sussing out gray area. Yeah. But when you talk about um, a person's beauty, supposedly it comes down to facial symmetry. Yeah. Which means that, you know, if uh, ladies, if you were watching this, Roshan is a beautiful man because <laughs> everything lines up. I'm looking at him straight on and the symmetry is supposedly what creates beauty. But people's ability to perceive a person's beauty may be different. Okay, the symmetry may be the foundation, but what's the rest of the building? You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, we've all met, uh, like we are guys. Yes. Uh, attracted to girls. Yes. So in general, uh, I think we would have this experience where we've met girls who physically are, you know, really attractive. Yes. But then if, when you get to know them uh, and <laughs> if you find them to oh be, so, if you find them to be, if you find them to be superficial, yes. you quickly find yes. that I'm not, it's not even um, an internal thing, but yeah. physically, yes. that person is not attractive anymore. And <sighs> if you meet someone who's not so attractive, a yeah. girl, right? And yeah. you become friends with her and you find that you vibe on yeah, so many levels, is, is, yes. suddenly <laughs> that girl becomes attractive, man. Yes. And I'm not, I don't mean like, oh, she's a nice person. Yeah. I mean that girl becomes physically attractive. See, you're using the correct word. You're yeah. using the word attractive because it's attractive comes from attraction. And attraction yeah. is a combination of multiple different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. But but it does add to the physical element. It's, it's weird, you know. It's yeah. like, maybe you think it adds to the physical element because you're looking at this person who you're attracted to and it's giving you a particular reaction. But maybe it's not because you're looking at them physically. Maybe it's because you happen to be looking at them, but as a result... There are associations. Correct, like, the association of all the things you know. Yes. Right, yes. right, right. How did we come here? I we don't know, man. We were talking, about, <laughs> we were talking about snobbish snobbish behavior, Correct. right? Yes. Uh, everyone is beautiful. Disclaimer. Everyone yeah. is beautiful. Well, no, not everyone <laughs> is beautiful. Some people are ugly on the inside. Some people, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, 
there are people who are physically unattractive. Right. I, I don't think that's a big deal. I mean, physically unattractive, but right. I feel like God to is... To you. To me. Yes. To me. Yes. And uh, to another person, that person could be attractive. But Absolutely, also, yes. I feel God is fair. Lah. I feel God is fair in the sense that this is what I found to be true. God will take away some things from you, but he will give you some things. Right, right. You just need to find out Takes what he receives, right? Yeah, yeah you need okay. to find out what you, your things right. are. Look, you know, Dave I, Chappelle I is not a good looking dude. But he's funny. Ed Sheeran is not a good looking no, dude. But he's a beautiful voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Everybody man. everybody has a talent, man. Every, right. Everybody has something. You have to lock into it and, and you have to build yourself up. 100%. Yes. yes. Interesting. <sighs> Um, how do we building go? yourself up no I I, I, I yeah. you know our, our tangents have tangents and that's why I like this conversation because you know <laughs> we have we are able to cover so much ground right and if yeah. you ask oh how did we get from, from this to this we don't know because the transitions were not abrupt they yeah. just kind of flowed <laughs> into each other no you but know? before we were, before talking about snobbish we were talking about uh, you were talking about whiskeys right you were yes. talking about whiskeys sure because we are talking about luxury cars yes yeah now I got it okay so we were talking about how <laughs> how uh, sometimes um, you could you could be experiencing something that the mainstream deems to be of a higher good right right but you might not be ready for that you, you might not be ready for that ah, experience yes correct yes uh, it depends on the context yes and I've, I found this to be true sometimes um, I, I watch a movie and I don't get it. Yep. Like I was watching a series the other day, um, Legion. Okay. Right. It's a Marvel uh, series. Sure. I and um, it's a bit of a weird kind of. It's a mix of a horror. It's like X Men but horror ish. Right. Right. Mixed with thriller. Okay. So I watched it about five years ago. I watched two episodes. Like I don't understand what's going on. Right. And I, I was like, I was. This is too weird for me. Sure. Watched it about two months ago. Yeah. Like this Loved is it. the best thing See? I've yes. ever yes. watched. Roshan, you're the same person, but these few years have given you more experience, you know, you yeah. have a bit more exposure to life and stuff like that. Yeah. And I guess those doors in your mind that yeah. would be able to allow this art in and yeah. process it a different way have been opened. Yeah. Even, yeah. Uh, yes. And this is most obvious when I, it comes to books for yes. me. Absolutely. Right? There's so yeah. many books. I just, I've had it, but I could never read it. Yes. But then one day you just pick it up and it just and flows. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. yeah. How is it not like this before? Yep. Yeah, yeah. You were not ready. You're right. You were just not ready to appreciate. But but isn't it weird for you though, being a person who reviews things and yep. you telling people, yep. this is a good thing. You should try this. <sighs> okay. So what I always tried to do um, was to, I guess, um, provide some form of not justification, but if I was going to make a sweeping statement or a bold statement, I would try to um, back it up with, um, you know, if I say something about the fact that um, the G30 uh, BMW 5 Series um, has very direct steering feel, um, you know, which is really what the 5 Series lineage is all about. It's only because I've driven an E39 5 Series a long time ago. And mm. I feel like in between that and this 5 Series, um, you know, you you didn't feel such a connection to the road, but you do again. So mm. if I if I make a statement like that, I'm telling them this is why I'm saying this. Because the, other people, I mean, for most people, they don't have the knowledge base, right? Yeah. So you're telling them like, look, I know you've tried this, but yeah. try this because yes. it might you might have a better experience with Correct. this. Correct, yes. A better experience, a better understanding. So, you know, you're never trying to tell people that you must buy this or you must not buy this. Mm -hmm. You're trying to tell people that 
these are the things that they focused on in this particular product. Right. If this resonates with you and if you appreciate these things, then perhaps this is the right thing for you, no matter what it is, whether it's a car or a whiskey or a watch. Yeah. You were telling me before the podcast that you struggled a bit with uh, OCD. Yes. How does that somehow um, connect to your ability to review things? Okay, guys, this is this is this is uh, this is the first of uh, uh, abrupt segues that Roshan managed to throw in. However, however, you know his callback was really good there. I'm going to say that. So, okay, <laughs> it's like does it? Okay, I I am an overthinker. Right. Okay, and I think the overthinking. Wait, is have what, you always been like that? I think so. I feel I feel like for as long as I can remember, mm. um, even as a child, I would analyze things to death. Insecure based on some insecurity? I, I, I don't actually know. I don't know why. I just know I do it. Right. And one of the things that I've consciously tried to do um, now as a working adult is, okay, look, sometimes you need to just try something and, mm. you know, see how it works out. There is no point having 10 theories mm. and them staying as theories when you never apply. Um, and I guess one of the things that helps me um, along this development path is when you read a lot of, um, I guess, writing or you listen to a lot of podcasts by uh, people who are entrepreneurs mm -hmm. or who are founders of startups or things like this, nine times out of 10, they will tell you there's no such thing as the perfect time. There's the try and iterate and iterate and iterate until you 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 get to that uh, golden solution or that perfect solution or as close to perfection as possible. So these are the kind of things that have made me, okay, look, you can't think so much. Sometimes you have this amount of information, you have this amount of time to process it. You need to make a decision so that you can learn based on the decision. If it's right, great. If it's wrong, fix it, do it better. Mm. Um, so the overthinking definitely helped me to, to uh, write because I would go very technical in um, all my reviews, whether it was a whiskey or a watch or a car. Um, and then I would ask myself, you know, what is the conclusion I'm drawing from all of this? But that was from the overthinking, you know, trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together. The OCD that I personally struggled with uh, was the type of OCD where you feel that um, things are never clean mm. and you're constantly washing your hands and you're trying to always make things clean. That was the OCD I had. Mm. Um, and, you know, this is something I'm perfectly happy to talk about because I, I you know, I went through, um, you know, the whole journey. Mm. Um, it started, it got worse. Um, I went how, to how therapy. Were you it got... Okay, so when I started being able to, I guess, notice the presence of this OCD, perhaps upper secondary, mm. okay? Upper secondary or um, college A-levels. Um, because I was like, okay, there's a lot of things that my friends are able to do or my family members are able to do that I'm not able to do. Like, you know, um, okay, uh, let me give you an example. Um, sometimes when you're messing about um, in PE, okay, in physical education or whatever, and, you know, you're chucking your guy friends around, whatever, like, you know, you know, we'll find something to get up to mischief, right? Sure. You know, and people are like trying out weird cheerleading moves and you're carrying your friends by their shoe. And, you know, people didn't have a problem holding somebody's shoe in their hand. It drove me insane. Mm. I was like, why does nobody have a problem with this? When you mean insane, what? Like, I, I was like, you know, if I did it, I would have to find a toilet, immediately wash my hands with soap. Right. Or it would bother me. So the thing about this kind of OCD and the reason why 
um, you know, I'm, I'm very conscious about the fact that you shouldn't mislabel things because you don't want to trivialize um, 100%, 100%. Yeah, you know, the experience of people who are actually living with something. 100%. The only reason why I'm saying this, you know, in a podcast is because I went to therapy, therapist diagnosed it, mm. um, which is why I'm saying it. So some of the things that can happen when you're uncomfortable in that way is you can even have a physical reaction. You know, you, you can start palpitating right. and things like this. Um, you know, even things where there are certain types of taps in toilets that I don't like because after you've washed your hands clean, you need to use your hand to close the tap. Yeah. So those taps that have motion sensors are my favorite thing in the universe mm. because you don't have to touch them again yep. uh, to switch them off. So, you know, this was the OCD journey that I, that I went through. Um, and I realized that uh, living at home with your parents for the most part, uh, this thing may not rear its ugly head because they've created an environment for you in which you're able to operate in comfort and within the bubble, you know, within the boundaries. So I went to university overseas um, and then you start living in student accommodation. Mm. And let me tell you, students are the filthiest people on earth. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, nobody's parents are there to, to tell them to wash dishes or to yeah. clean up after w themselves. Where right? did you study? I was in Manchester. Right, right, yeah, right. 2010 to 2014. Yeah. yeah. And it's difficult because with uh, British people, because the weather is cold, they don't really like wash regularly. Because, yeah, you know, and this was a thing that, you know, I found it just terrible at the time. And mm. I was like, how can you all live like this? But then I realized, like what you said, when the weather is cold and you don't sweat, sweat so much, yeah. you don't need to shower twice a day. Yeah. But it's just how we grew up because yeah. it's so in a Malaysia. Lot, a lot of Asians used, like my friends, because right. I was in the, I was in Cardiff. Right. So a lot of my friends would give white people a lot of flag. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I understand. I don't see what I mean. I can. It's a cultural thing, lah. Correct. Yeah. You know, it's nobody's a, it's doing weather. anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and when you live, adjusting. when you live in cold weather, yeah, bathing in cold water, yeah, and or even in warm water, goodness, and, dude, you turn into a popsicle. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you bathe in hot water, you step out of the shower. It, you're immediately cold. cold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it makes sense why culturally they would not bathe, lah. Yes. You know, I mean, not bathe regularly. Yes. Right. Correct. Okay. Okay. So yeah. you had a tough time when you were in Manchester. That was the time that it was at its worst, and that was also the time that I decided I needed therapy to to rectify the situation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I, 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 you know, if I, if I guess. If we're bringing this up, and I'm completely happy that you did because I feel like things like this don't get enough airtime or attention. Yeah. Um, the therapy worked wonders because it wasn't like the therapist told me there were a thousand things wrong with me. The therapist helped me to lay out mm. in as simple terms as possible what were the irrational fears or the insecurities that perhaps lead to this or maybe escalate the anxiety and things like that, how you deal with it. And it's not like you wake up one morning, OCD is gone and you're jumping in a field of, of sunflowers. No, it's a gradual process which takes effort. Mm. But I overcame it. Um, is overcame a word? Overcame? Yes, I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Let's, let's let it fly for this, <laughs> sure, you know, sure. this round. Um, um, and you can as well, you know, it's just, um, I guess, acknowledgement of the problem. So what did you, what were the practical steps you took to, to sort of deal, uh, with, deal it? with it? Yeah. Okay, right. So some of the things that you need to do is really, I guess, multi-level deep questioning of yourself as to why something bothers you so much. Right. You know, uh, why when I put my own laundry in the washing machine, do I feel that my arms are now covered in invisible dirt that I can't see and I have to wash my hands up to the elbow like I'm a surgeon. Right. Why am I doing this? And it's like, no, look, it's just mostly dead skin cells. You know, you haven't rolled around in the mud or you haven't, you know, thrown up and done a number one and number two in your clothes. It's not really that dirty, you know, you just right. need to relax. 
Um, so when you start asking yourself these questions, and I'm not trivializing anyone out, uh, the experience of anyone out there who is dealing with OCD, I'm just saying that when you ask yourself these penetrating and deep questions, you start to realize that a lot of your hangups are perhaps on, uh, perhaps based on things that are not so concrete or not really realistic. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I agree with you uh, on what you said before this in that labeling is so, so important. Very important. And using precise and specific words are so, so, so important. Yes. And so I'm really, really against uh, people using the using words like depression mm. when what they mean is sad. Yes. And when people say I have anxiety, yep. when what they mean is they're worried. Yes. Because correct. it takes away from what an anxious person really feels. Correct. What a depressed, depressed person, person really feels. And yes. Same thing with sexual assault. Yes. We need to be very, everybody has to be very careful with the wordings that they use. Yes. Now, I'm not saying that we have to dismiss your experience. Specify the word. Yes. And use the correct word. Terminology. Yes. Right. Correct. You, yeah. But you cannot hijack because you want people to... Uh, feel for what you're going Correct. through. Yes. You you hijack something yes. which in does, search of a larger reaction, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it, That's not helpful. Yeah. And yeah. and I think what you're saying as well is that within uh this within the particular people who are experiencing these particular things, like we were saying before, everybody has a different experience. Yes. There's a spectrum. So uh other people who are having OCD might have might have to tackle it in a different way. Correct. Yes. Right. Or yep. their experiences might be different. It's not. Might be different. It's not cookie yeah. cutter for every single person. It really isn't. You know, you might have people who um, obsessively check door locks, um, mm. or obsessively check if the stove is off, uh, if the taps are off. Uh, they always like to rearrange things. You know, the shoes must always be straight outside the front door. Right. Right. Um, if one, if someone, if 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 you know somebody who's suffering with that, and I got some of this, I guess, insight um, from my therapist that you know if. I move a shoe and it's no longer straight. A person who has that particular type of OCD, even if we've shut the door and locked the door, they'll be lying awake at night wanting to go downstairs and straighten the shoe. Right. Yeah, you know, so there's a lot of... Um, obsessive compulsive disorder doesn't necessarily relate to a particular thing. It is just you are doing something repeatedly for reasons that may not exist. And yeah. I think what I never understood was how it could... How much of shame is associated with it. Yeah. Because to me, it never... I mean, I never thought it was a big deal but then um i think uh, the eye opener for me was i found out that author what's his name uh hank green uh you know the, the fault in our stars yes the author who okay wrote the okay book. right right and he's quite a famous dude he he did um you know, on youtube he and his brother have created like a education channel it's like sure. huge right he has a podcast he's a very successful entrepreneur he's right, like a right, right. writer okay. producer yeah brilliant guy right right uh and so on one of his interviews, one of his specific interviews, he he basically, the the interviewer knew that he had OCD and was trying to get him to talk about it. Right. But he flat out refused. He said, I don't talk about it. I it's see. something that I struggle with. Right. Something I, I'm really, really embarrassed of. Yep. And I don't talk about it. Yep. And then I realized, wow, you know, for someone to be so successful and not want to talk about it, the shame that he must feel uh, about it yep. it must be intense yes and I guess and it's weird right because yeah. you're looking at him from an outside perspective and you're like you know everybody knows your name man you're a successful person and yeah. yet you know you're struggling with this um, and I, I and I I, I I just don't I don't understand I, I couldn't understand why he would be ashamed at that right, right. but I guess I'm not in that position yep. but I suppose when you have to when you it's never nice to show people your vulnerability yep to show people Correct. that you're different, yep. you're vulnerable, and inverted commas, la, inverted commas, weaker, right? Yep, yep. Because you are compelled to do something that other people don't have to do. Yes. 
And so Correct. I guess, yeah, then after conceptualizing that, conceptualizing that, I, I kind of understood it a little bit better. Yeah. Maybe he's just not ready. No, but you're totally right. You know, a lot of people have uh, have this thing where uh, different is weak. Mm. Um, but you know, it's it's different, not lesser. You know, you if you if you can conquer whatever it is that you're dealing with, whether it's anxiety or depression or OCD, um, that makes you an extremely brave person. Mm. But that doesn't mean you should be compelled or forced to talk about it. Maybe he just wasn't ready, which is sure. perfectly fine. One day he is, he will talk about it. Maybe he never will. And if or, or, or maybe he doesn't want his um, achievements to be about his. He oh, doesn't so, want to be. He does. You know, like some people. He doesn't want to be defined by it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yes. Correct. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, do you still, after you know the, the the things that you've gone through, after the the therapy you've undergone, and mm. after your your internalizations, right, right? Do you still feel those feelings? Okay. So, I would say the intensity of um my um, OCD has greatly, greatly reduced mm. um, over the past few years, especially since the therapy concluded, you know, and the happiest days when the therapist tells you that you don't need to see me anymore. Mm. We're done here. What's really interesting is that it came back with a vengeance last year during the first MCO. Right. Because now we're talking about something that I cannot, that I legitimately cannot see, which is properly hurting and killing people. Right, right. So you right. can only imagine the kind of havoc that played in my overthinking mind. Right, right, right. Um, You know, I was coming back from the supermarket and taking the sponge and scrubbing fruits with dish soap because it's like, I don't know. I, is it there? Is today the day that I get it? Right. Did somebody touch this before me? Um, and now that, you know, we're, wow, MCO1 is down, MCO2 is down, we're really down. I'm more, I guess... Um, used to the situation and you know more resigned to the to the fact that um i can only put my best effort in keeping myself clean and in masking up and in taking all the precautions i don't want to say this and you know i'm glad you have a wooden desk right here that i can touch you know if i get infected i get infected but it's not for lack of of um of taking precautions or or making an effort right. um to prevent being infected um but in a scenario like that where you're so totally out of control if you were suffering from something like this in the past, hmm. I can totally see how it can come back to haunt you or even be worse because that's exactly what happened for me because I was dealing with a demon that I'd never seen before. I can't, I, I, it didn't even occur to me how this pandemic would affect people with OCD. Right? Yes, absolutely. Or people are yeah. afraid of, or even people who are afraid of uh, uh, germs. And yes, also correct. people Germophobes, who are, yeah, correct. You know, yeah. That's insane. Oh, serious, man. Because, you know, if you walk around um, a supermarket or a grocery store and you see that one person who's got a glove on each hand um, a face mask, a face shield and wearing sunglasses and a hat and you're like, you know, I feel like you're going a little bit overboard. Yep. There is every possibility that this person is coming out of the house purely on necessity and, you know, they are completely anxious at what they've got to do. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because this is, this is the devil made real. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because before this, um, you know, my therapist was able to talk to me about, look, a lot of the things that you're worried about are not real things. And I'm not going to force that thought upon you, but I want you to think about it and question it yourself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, after a while, I, you know, when the therapy took its course and we had a lot of, I would say, um, very interesting exercises that I could do to question myself further. Um, or, you know, it was gamifying, I guess, the, the recovery. Yeah. Um, then you realize that, okay, a lot of these things are in my head. And then yeah. COVID is not in your head. It's real, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but even that is so it's really interesting because actually this is also something that I, I've been thinking about over the past month. 
because I was reading about, uh, for some reason, I was reading about um, body dysmorphia. Okay. And one of the, you know, the Carpenters, there's famous singers, ah, yeah, yeah. you know, Palestine. Karen Carpenter. And all. Yeah, so yeah, Karen yeah. Carpenter was one of the first celebrities who died of aner- uh, anorexia. anorexia. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. She made it like famous not famous to be anorexic, she but she shed a light. attention to it. Right, right, right. Yeah. She was really young. Yes, She correct. would have been uh, in her 30s. I mean, this she... is similar to what Freddie Mercury did for AIDS, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Exactly. So, okay. And so, but I was thinking about uh, body dysmorphia and I was thinking about also trans- transgender transgenderism. Yeah. And I was thinking, what's the difference? Like, yeah. both also you feel, you don't feel happy with your body. Yes. So why is one uh, sort of a psychological... Stigmatized and yeah, yeah. Why yeah. not? Yeah. And... Then so I was doing some further reading and then it was quite interesting because I, I think one of the distinctions that the you know that psychologists have made is that with transgenderism, um, it's based on some sort of reality because once you uh, change hmm. to the and I'm not uh, I'm not saying I, I'm a proponent or against anything. I'm right. learning. I'm learning. Okay. Right. Sure. And I'm yes. reading and I'm trying to understand. Sure. So but and I think there's these things are so new, there's so much of yeah. so yeah. many nuances to yes. understand. Yes. But okay, we have monkeys around. It could have been a monkey. Could have, could have. Okay. You haven't invited them on the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, this we have, is the we issue. Are, we are in an active war with them. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. So I'm still thinking these things through, and they're so new. So there's a lot of nuances all around, right? To be understood. Yes. Uh, but basically, they say like when that person changes or uh, aligns themselves with a the gender that they feel aligned to, right. It goes away. The feeling goes away, right? I see. Right, right, right. But whereas with body dysmorphia, it's sort of unfounded in reality because however thin you are, for example, right. you will always think you're fat. I see. It never ends until you die. Oh, goodness. That's awful, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess I never spent too much time on this topic. But if I wanted to draw a parallel that I can sort of understand... I've been reading a lot lately about guys who hit the gym a lot and these guys are jacked to the heavens, man. You yeah. know, people with biceps as big as my thigh. Yeah. But they see themselves as skinny. Yeah. So that is a very, I guess, special branch of male body dysmorphia. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess maybe perpetuated by alpha culture. I don't really know. Like, like you know, I'm going to, you, you said something really responsible just now, which is that you're learning. And so am I. I think in our entire individual lives, mine, yours, and you know, a lot of other people listening, um, you're, you're not going to be able to understand every experience that every person is going through. Yeah. Uh, but if you try to learn and you try to empathize, you know, that's the best that you can do. But can I somehow relate to this muscular fixation perhaps you know like um when you hit the gym for six months and you realize that you're not getting the same gains as the other person and you look at yourself and you feel slightly inferior you know it is a form of dysmorphia i guess yeah 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 yeah. um that's that's also another funny conversation like about the way men look at themselves now and it's funny because this used to be a problem exclusive to women right instead it or feels, maybe we thought it was exclusive to women because men were trained not to talk about their issues. Yeah, but I also think that, you know, how the media put things on women back in the day. Right, right, right. And they kind of Overemphasis. Like, yeah, and they yeah. let men sort of slide with a lot of things, right. right? I mean, Sean Connery as James Bond, his gut was sticking out. <laughs> you know, the chest hair was untrimmed. But <laughs> no, he was the epitome of manliness, he, right? But even, yeah. especially with Indian guys, right? Yeah. If you look at our... Rest in peace, by the way. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. he, he passed away a few months ago, right? 
It was very recent. Yes. Yeah. Very yeah. But Indian actors in particular, right? Yeah. You see a big difference between the. the I mean, I'm talking about the older. I hundred percent <laughs> know where you're going. The, the with women this. look yes. really attractive. Correct. And, and the men are uh, Vijaykanth and gang. <laughs> okay, look for those of you at home who are not well versed with Tamil cinema. The bigger the pot belly, the bigger the mustache, the more manly that man is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's so funny, but uh, and. It's a funny thing in Indian culture in particular because it gives a lot of confidence to Indian men. <laughs> yes. Unwarranted confidence. Correct. So like my friend... But if you're happy, you're happy, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. My friend, friend was yeah. telling me that she had a... She went for a wedding. Right. And so the the groom and the groomsmen right. came into the wedding hall right. with... Uh, I'm the real Slim Shady playing. Okay. And they just walk in like super confidently right. like they are the stars of the, the show. Yeah, the night the wedding, yeah. Normally, it's the bride, right? Sure. And it's this groom and his groomsmen. I'm right. thinking like, that's Indian men sort of confidence. Oh, it's, completely. That's the confidence of your mom telling you you're amazing. You're smart, every handsome, single time. Yeah. Yes, correct. That, that is the confidence of watching movies where the guy is, you know, the, the, the not so good looking dude that's is right. still the, the hero. Star. Yes, right? the hero. Yes. But I think with Western media now, that uh, pressure we put on women has also now included men. Yes. You know? Correct. You and know, when you you talked about Avengers earlier, yeah. there is no better example than that. You know, Chris Hemsworth, they even took Star-Lord, I can't remember his name, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. You know, Chris Pratt had a, not had a standard dad bod. Yep. They made him shredded yep. to the heavens, right? Um, and you know, you watch these movies and it is impossible not to think that hey, man, I should probably be able to do that if I put in enough effort. I know, and you go to the cinema and you're sitting with these girls. And, and these then, girls are losing their minds. They're losing their minds. Correct. And yeah. then it makes you feel like, uh, and I'm not saying that's, like, that's the thing. I don't put anything, I'm not saying that there was anything wrong with the girls' reactions. No. And I just, they, they did that for a reason. They wanted you to enjoy the view. Yeah. yeah. And in the same way, I don't put anything on men who enjoy a, a beautiful woman. Yes. But, Again, like we have to realize that these things are like fast food. They are fake. Yes. They're not real. They're, They're not, not sustainable. Real. Correct. In yes. fact, if you watch, um, if you watch uh, interviews, I have. I watch. Okay. You watch interviews of these stars, right? These actors talk about um, their workout. Uh, uh, yeah, regimen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their diet. Yes. Dude, it's Unreal. insane. Yeah, and the, the way they talk about it. Yeah. They it's talk about it. It's disdain, you know? Yeah. yeah and yeah. and yeah. they say, if you're not doing a movie like this, don't, don't do, do it. it. Correct. They all Correct. say it. Like, uh, I was watching an interview with Conan and Zach Efron. Right. So Zach Efron, they all say it. They just eat chicken breast and Correct. broccoli, chicken breast and Correct. broccoli. Yes. Dry, so at one dry, point, dry. he yes. just like put the chicken breast, blended it and just chunked it, it down. Because see, they're only looking for their macro. Goodness. <laughs> That, there is that is just the, you know that is rock bottom when you've blended a chicken breast and you drink it yeah 100% <laughs> it's, a, it's with Conan yes because at that point you're just you're eating for the sake of nutrients correct. yes you're not enjoying anything Nothing. and it's just for the workout correct and so and then when it comes close to the movie uh, they dehydrate themselves yes so they look more cut yeah right yeah correct and, yeah. and it's all building to that movie because yep. it, the the muscle they have yep. on, they can't keep. Yes. For sure, they can't yes. keep. It's not sustainable. So the moment they build it and time it perfectly for the shoot without the t-shirt Correct. or shirt. Yes. And then it's decline after Correct. that. Correct. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, decline in inverted commerce. Lab, yes. Right? Yeah, I know. You know, because what they call a decline is our best day <laughs> in our entire life. Right? Especially yeah. for me in yeah. particular. <laughs> when, when there was a picture of Zac Efron, you know, in full bearded glory, as if, you know, things aren't hard enough, he went and grew a beard, he looks even more <laughs> handsome. And then he had a dad bod 
what people called a dad bod, but dude, it was, it's you know, it wasn't a dad bod at all. I've never seen a dad that looks like that, much mm. less in my extended Indian family. Yeah. Okay. And that that now has shifted the goalposts of what a dad bod is supposed to look like. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody should just be healthy, lah. Yeah. You know? Start with health. Start with yeah. health. Yeah. If if health if if a good foundation of health and fitness um leads you towards what makes you happier in terms of an aesthetic that you're going for. All power to you. Yeah, because yeah. like you're talking about like men in gyms with body dysmorphia, it it has bad consequences because you see them also like you know how uh, fat pills used to be a thing for a lot of uh, girls. That's right. Yes. But like not yes. only steroids, but correct. guys are taking pre-workout. You know, weird yeah, weird stuff. Yes, right? correct. And it is messing up their bodies. Yes, it is. It yeah. really is. Yes. Sad state of affairs. I mean, you know, there, there, there are a lot of different ways. If, okay, if you need to increase your protein because protein is muscle recovery and muscle building and, you know, you're chugging eggs and eating a lot of chicken, mm. fine. Um, there's a lot of adjustments that you can make to what people may perceive as a, com- uh, as a normal everyday diet that's not exactly unhealthy, but where's the line, right? Yep, yep, yeah, yep, yep. Yep. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Interesting. Again, I wonder how we came to this. Oh, we were talking about uh, OCD, your experiences yes, correct. and yeah. yeah, how it manifests in different ways, right? So, yes. so OCD being uh, going having experienced OCD is in a way grounded in a sort of um, unreality. That's not a word. Non-reality, in um, a way. In in a way, in a way, you 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 realize. For me personally, yeah. I realized that a lot of my worries and a lot of the things that caused me anxiety. When you try to get to the bottom of them, um, you know, just with questioning yourself and uh, uh, trying to find the fact in the rubble, you realize that a lot of these things are not real. And, you know, the difficult thing about it is you don't know how you got to that point. Mm. You don't know how it built up. So if you don't know how it built up, trying to dig and uncover and conduct some archaeology on it mm. is actually a bit difficult because you're like, I don't know where to start really. So yeah. it's nothing connected to your childhood now. I I can't find it. I can't find that connection to the childhood. Right. But what I was able to do through the therapy was really to and you know, I I wonder whether a lot of the work I did was um, you know, uh band-aid over a bullet wound, right? right? Where you're using a plaster to cover a symptom, but have you really tackled the underlying problem? Yeah. I would say for the most part I have, because a lot of the things that used to trigger me in the past or worry me in the past don't bother me anymore. I think it was um, I don't want to say justified, but I think uh, being triggered by uh, the pandemic was, I shouldn't be too hard on myself because yeah. we're talking about a different kind of fear or stimulus to the OCD that yeah. is unprecedented. Yeah. I didn't go to therapy for it and I was never prepared for it. So I can't tell you that, you know, I can't trace this to like a single... Um, you know, horrifying or traumatic event in my life where I was a kid and I saw somebody get shot in a drive-by shooting. No, no, there, there really isn't anything that I can draw upon mm. that leads me to that conclusion. Mm. But I feel like for the most part, the work that I've done with the help of my therapist and the support of friends and family, mm. the p- problem is largely solved. Mm. Yeah. It's almost like um, an alcoholic uh, trying to recover yep. and then being put a glass of beer in front of him, right? A mug of beer in front of him. Um, perhaps, or maybe it's a situation of goodness, you know, you are at a party, mm. the soft drinks have run out, mm. you don't want to drink any more water, and all you've got 
is beer and you know you know we all know the the hydrating or the thirst quenching qualities of a cold beer on a hot day mm. and you're like no nah, I'll just take a sip you know I'll just wait for the coca-cola to arrive or the fanta to arrive mm. and perhaps that's the slide mm. um I don't think that this is really an apples to apples comparison but I guess what your um um you know you're suggesting is that a situation out of your control for which that might totally be the case yeah. because for the most part maybe the recovered alcoholic um or the former alcoholic could walk past a bar uh, look inside and smile to himself or herself knowing mm. fully well that they are in control and they don't feel a need to go in yeah yeah definitely but what if there was no other choice yeah yeah, yeah. and it's difficult when it's pushed on you lah yes correct right yeah So uh when you had your sort of when you came back with a vengeance yeah. uh, did you go back to your therapist or did you manage it? I mean okay so the thing is I went for therapy while I was in university uh, and you know shout out to University of Manchester for providing therapy for free to students mm-hmm. um and counseling services so this was something I was able to capitalize on mm-hmm. um the fact that it was there for us to enjoy um so you know my therapist I wouldn't even know how to reach out to her if I had to now because it's been years and years I graduated in 2014 Yeah. Um but I just tried to go back to the foundation and I tried to go back to the lessons. I had to maybe adjust how I applied them. Mm. But it was really okay, you know, back to basics all over again. Um what are you doing to mitigate the problem? Mm. What are the extra things that you're worried about? What are the things that give rise to some anxious feelings when we're talking about um uh being out in the open or being in a public space? Uh and then you break it down all over again. I mean, you know, um uh because of i would say um uh not casual contact but contacts of contacts testing positive i went for a couple of my own um antigen tests just to you know make sure um that everything was fine you know i've been asymptomatic i i'm very everything that i do to mitigate the problem is to the best of my ability yeah so that's really all that we can do i i and you know i'm not going to say one size fits all but I guess for most of the problems in my life the most that you can do is your best effort. Yeah. The result is out of your control. Same with the OCD, but you know, the problem with the pandemic was the level of unknown and I guess um not misinformation but the way that information develops you know you you get something that's factually accurate and then you get five pieces of information that are either spread by fear or perhaps um through the grapevine they've morphed into something else and maybe not true so not knowing is uh, i guess the greatest um or a very powerful um source of fear mm. uh, or, once or even the nature of the the information that we were first getting changed yes correct right? so yeah. some things were told for, at, to us in the beginning yes. which turned out not to be true correct. or had to be changed as time went by yes. but then people took it as or oh, that means all information is it's wrong it's not true you know yeah. what do i trust what do i believe yep. um and on top of that you know uh if we're going to be i guess uh scientific about the problem the fact that the virus is able to mutate it's like mm. what are we even doing then you know yeah. uh yeah yeah and also mm. like coronaviruses you know it's people that, that's one thing i learned from uh my cousins who are doctors right? right when you talk about the common flu there is no common flu there isn't every flu is different correct right yeah so it's just a milder strain and you know less there's 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 two components right there's um how easily you can get it from someone else there's a very elegant term for that mm. um uh and the other is how serious it is so sars was mm. very serious mm. but it was not easy for you to get infected by someone who had it yeah this is a combination serious yes. and easy to infect yeah. yeah yeah definitely definitely yep 
Okay, man. That's interesting. I also wanted to talk to you because this is also something we were talking about before the podcast. Yes. Uh, and it's something that I've been sort of think, been thinking about a lot and I've been interested in and also something I'm trying to read more on, right. which is the uh, because of the Ganapati um, a case, right? Right. And sort of, I'm interested in the Malaysian-Indian experience. So I've been right. talking to a lot of my friends who are Indians. Yes. Uh, and finding out what their experiences are because... Uh, I'm Indian. I've had my own experiences, but mm. I find that it might be different from other Indians in the country, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because one, I am from a sort of a middle-income family, right? Uh, and also because the my main medium of language has always been English, right? My family speaks English. We speak to everyone in English or Bahasa, right? So um, that's also another thing that, that has affected it, uh, but. To be fair, also I really look Indian lah. Right. I right. look properly look Indian yes. lah. It is, yes. You know, there's no. I doubt. wouldn't look at you and assume that you're a Malaysian <laughs> yeah, Chinese he, gentleman. No. Yeah. Yes. He, he, he looks like mixed race. No, but <laughs> no. definitely not. My brother maybe. <laughs> maybe possible, maybe yeah, yeah maybe. But me definitely not. Yes. So, what what is your take? What is your? I don't know whether this is too wide an answer, but what is your Malaysian Indian experience? Okay. Um, there's a lot of uh, shared experience uh, for you and me. I would say, um, you know, middle class upbringing, mm. um, you know, suburban Petaling Jaya sort of thing. Um, there are a lot of aspects of what I read from the general Malaysian Indian experience that I can't really relate to. And therefore, respectfully, I'm not going to jump on that narration by 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 saying I understand what these people are going through, nor am I going to try to refute it. But if you're asking me about my own experience, um, I feel like there was a lot of privilege because I was always put in a position um, where I never really had to worry too much about things like authority being imposed on me in uncomfortable ways yeah. or, you know, perhaps unlawful ways or anything like that. Yeah, so this was something we were talking about before the podcast. Correct, yes. Like for both of us, we've been stopped by the police. We have. I've been stopped by, the, I, I mean, I don't do this all the time, but yes. there has been one time in my life I was stopped drunk. Right. Right, and the police let me go. I see. Right, he didn't even try, yeah, well, he tried to bribe me, but I had no money in my wallet. He tried to bribe you. Well, yeah, he tried yeah. to get a bribe out of you. Oh, sorry, yeah. He tried to get a bribe, right? What he tried- a transaction. <laughs> he tried to get some cash, but okay. I had thrown my money in my glove compartment before he came over. Got it. So, but he in in any case, he let me go. Sure. So, in fact, he, he showed me kindness, right? But I think we were both also talking about how the way we conduct ourselves yes. uh, is assist that, yes. you know, assist Correct. that situation. Yes. Right. I think, you know... Uh, my own experiences with authority, whether it's discipline teachers or law enforcement or, you know, the abang bomber who comes to your house to help you catch the big snake that's loose in your garden, yep. um, have been generally positive. Yep. So, you know, my first interactions with law enforcement, if we're speaking specifically on police, um, are usually quite open, transparent and 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 generally generally very respectful. Now, do I behave that way because, um, you know, I've never had um, issues growing up and, you know, it's always been sort of a comfortable discourse? Probably. Um, I have been... Okay, this was a funny story. So once upon a time, uh, before I had my driving license, 
um, a friend of mine and I stayed over in another friend's house and we were on our way home in a cab. This was before Uber and Grab and all of that, you know, where you call the Sunlight Taxi on 7659-2020. This <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> bringing back some memories, Roshan. Yeah, man, yeah. definitely. Dude, now it's crazy, you know. Now, like... You press the, a button these, and the guy comes. Yeah, these yeah. young people now, it's mad because I teach in church, I teach catechism, right? Sunday right. school. So I teach like 15-year-old kids, right? Right. They tell me some of the stuff, like if they like a like a boy, for example, they will just get a grab and go to the boy's house to see him. I see. Right? If they want to go goodness. for a, like a, a, a K-pop concert, right. parents say no. Right. They will just take a grab and, and just go escape. Oh my right? goodness. Of course, they will deal with the repercussions later. Right. But for us, it was so hard to even do that. It yeah. was not so accessible. Because if you pick up the house phone and start calling Sunlight Cab, the <laughs> phone will get knocked over your head. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so yeah, so so this friend of mine and I, um, this was in the morning because we stayed over in a friend's house. We're going home, um, and you know, and being the 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 meticulous planning uh, children that we are, did we pack the right clothes to stay over? <laughs> no, we didn't. So we were still in the long sleeve shirts from the night before, yep. rolled up to the elbow as you do. Yeah. Um, so the cab got stopped by uh, two policemen in a squad car, and they immediately asked us document mana, mm. and I was confused by what that meant. And then I was like, uh, bang, document tak ada, tapi IC ada lah. So, oh, korang Malaysian, yeah. So, okay, I'm just going to translate this for, you know, everybody in Europe and America who <laughs> listens to the podcast. Um, millions, millions. Millions. Yeah, millions. Um, the police officer basically asked me, um, uh, he wanted to see my documents, to which I responded that I had an identity card, IC, um, uh, whether he wanted to see that instead. Uh, and he was surprised that I was a Malaysian. Um, and, you know, checked our ICs and realized that these were just two kids going home and just sent us on our way. I wonder how differently that interaction would have been um, had I not uh, been carrying my IC with me. Now, not right to speculate, okay? Mm. But that was an experience of being stopped. Mm. A couple of years later, when I got my driving license and I got my first car, I did what every young boy does who is a car enthusiast. I dropped the suspension, I swapped in a noisy <laughs> exhaust and I put a massive woofer in the boot. Dude, I never understood the the, the noisy yeah. exhaust, man. You know what? I didn't understand it after three months myself, so I switched <laughs> it back. I couldn't take it anymore. I was like, I don't know why people do this. I've made my car so much worse to live with. Why have I gone and done this? But in doing so, and my car was bright red and I had shoulder length hair, I had basically made myself a moving target for the roadblock. Right. So I got stopped at every single roadblock, including one where I was asked um, in Malay, is this really your car? Where did you take it from? Where are you going? Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. And okay, I have no reason to believe that any of these interactions were race-based. Perhaps I just looked like a young hooligan. Yeah. Because nobody, none of the police officers that were involved in any of these um, stops and interactions, including a bizarre one um, at the end of 2018 where I got stopped in my Perodua where I now have, you know, short hair that you can see, Roshan, you know, yeah. look like a upstanding, productive Season. member of society. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, in my uh, stock Perodua Axia that has no modifications except a bicycle rack on the roof. Yeah. Uh, stopped, um, asked to open my boot and I had um, a bag on the passenger seat that had some mutton that my mother lovingly packed yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, and the mutton container got opened and checked, yeah. you know, to that extent. But in the taxi interaction, in the is your car stolen interaction, in the mutton interaction, at no point did my background as a Malaysian Indian or my race become a focal point of the conversation. Yep. So 
maybe it was just a profile that I fit. I, I, do, you, do you see my hesitation in, in, in making any sort of speculation here? Because if it had come up, mm. then I, can, I would say with full confidence that this was mentioned and perhaps it was a contributing factor into why I was stopped. It never did. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Have a, I understand what you're saying. I have a similar experience where I, I've told this, a few, uh, I have spoken on this on this podcast, I think, before. Right. But there was a time where once, uh, I mean, I have, okay, I've not had any bad experience with police officers, but... I definitely have had weird experiences. La. So right. there was two in particular. One, I was walking, just walking by. And I was, I'm a daydreamer. I daydream right, all right. the time. Sure. So even if I'm walking, I can actually daydream. I'll be thinking about something random. Hmm. And so I was walking and I was just thinking about something else. And a Malay lady with her kids walked by me. And then she just told me in Malay, like, who you looking at? Don't look at other people's children. Like what? <laughs> Why? Where did that even come from? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's like really random. I'm like, what? Then I walk by, like, did she just say that to me? Yeah, <laughs> like it's weird, lah. Right? right. So there's a and there's a temptation to feel like it's motivated by race. Yes. Second one that happened was I went to a saloon in Abana Sitamansara, which is a saloon I go to all the time, and I go to until today. But oh, it's okay. really funny. Right. I went, doesn't change anything. It doesn't change his <laughs> car, his MacBook, his saloon. I've been going since I was in high school, man. So it's been ten years, I think. <laughs> Fantastic. So. Uh, actually, I am a creature of habit. Okay, I just like right. To, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so I went there, and you know, it's a, press the button. They open the door for you, right? Right. They right. have the the button to give you access. Yes. And the lady saw me, and at the time, you know, I grew up my beard a little bit. Right. I was wearing three quarter pants. I don't know. I like, look maybe I look like a, a hobo or what? Right. But she was like telling me, "No, tamo tamo, jangamaso, jangamaso." Right. And so like, this awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just walked off. La. Right. And then. The owner who rec- recognized me, she yeah. opened the door and she's like, oh, maso, maso, dear bodo, jangan, jangan, jangan tengok dia Oh my goodness, okay, that, that was harsh, but okay, yeah. yeah. She, yeah. Be- she basically said, you know, forget her, just come in. Right, right, right. And again, I felt that there was a temptation to feel that it was racial. Race, yeah. But you never know for sure because it could just have been that I look like a threat because as a, as all, being all women in the saloon, yes, they could have felt a, Intimidated a fear by, by a, a male. Yeah, 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 correct. So, it could have been that. So yes. in that way also, and I think it's good to a certain extent to give people the benefit of the doubt. Right. Uh, unless yeah. like you said, where it's, you know, very, it's clear. Yes. very clear, like that there's no other reason yes. for this. Correct. Which is the African-American experience, which is what we, I mean, that's what we hear. Yes. They're doing nothing and they get pulled over purely because yes. of their race. Yes. Right? Driving while black is the term that they use, right? That's right. basically it. You're yeah. minding your own business and living your life. Yeah. I mean, this is a... This is a fairly upsetting topic because when you feel so powerless to help a group of people who clearly are not being treated the right way. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm completely happy for anybody who wants to refute what I'm saying, saying if you have facts and figures to tell me that, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not giving a, um, a fair version of uh, the situation by saying that they're unfairly America, treated yeah. in America, yeah, that yeah. they're unfairly treated. But the evidence points to this overwhelmingly. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I've also, again, even with this, with BLM, I... I always err on the side of caution. Yeah. But even as I have thought through it, I feel like in any case, even if the statistics show that uh, there's no disproportionate hostility uh, on uh, police to, uh, on uh, there's no disproportionate, um, uh, disproportionate number of cases of yep. police brutality on black men. Yeah. That maybe they can say there's been as many police 
shootings on white men right. as black men. Right. Even if that's the case, I would say that there's obviously a trust deficit in your country. Yes. And that trust deficit needs to be fixed. Yes, correct. You need even look, perception is power. Yeah. And if black men and women feel like they're under attack and their lives are at stake, yes. you need to reassure them that's that that, that, that that's is not, not the true. case. Yeah. The police are here to protect but you. But what has yeah. happened? More cases have been reported. Correct. And correct. then only even if it's untrue, it, it firms this narrative, right? Yes. And it, it's not a way for society to function. No, like. it isn't. I mean when you look at authority or law enforcement, you should feel reassured and safe that they're yeah. around. That should be the feeling. I mean, I remember being a kid. Okay, so I I had this thing about, um, you know, always respecting people in uniform as a child. Yeah. Um, you know, my mother and elder sister make fun of me, um, you know, regularly about this until now. If I saw somebody in uniform, I would salute. This was just a thing that I did as a child. I, you know, my mom told me when I got my first passport, mm. immigration officers were also in uniform, <laughs> and I took a step back with my passport in hand as yeah. a tiny child, and yeah. I saluted. <laughs> and you know, she said that uh, the the immigration officer I was dealing with yeah. found it so hilarious yeah. that he asked the people to his left and right to also stand up and salute me. And, so, <laughs> and my mom said, you know, for me, like I looked like I was having the greatest day of my life. <laughs> so I don't know how a society can go from that to I feel safe with you around to I don't feel safe with you around. Yeah. 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 But you know, you, you talked about um, a, a, prob a possible statistic where equal number of uh, white males and black males are being shot. I want to take a step back and ask the question and you guys are okay with that? Yeah. People just being yeah. shot? Yeah, 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 you know, you shouldn't be refuting this with, oh, just the same number of white men also yeah. being shot. Why are these people being shot? Yeah. yeah, but that's the thing. I think that's the problem in Malaysia as well because I'm not sure whether it's racial specifically because people, uh, there's a disproportionate number of Indians that have been killed in custody. Uh, but, and a lot of people cite a Suhakam inquiry, a Suhakam right, right. study. Right. But that same article, Suhakam says they're not sure whether it's um, really tr accurate because right. a lot of uh, Malays don't report. Yes. So yes. the numbers That's could the be higher thing. for Malays. Correct. So, yes. but, but, but even that aside, I do definitely think that there is an issue of police brutality full stop. Full stop. 100%. Correct. Correct. Because there, are, even in, uh, when we study law, there are cases on police, police brutality. Right. And it is mad. I see. There have been police officers who, um, they think uh, a Malay boys uh, ripping off motorbikes. Right, right. They just arrest them, whack them with hoses. I see. Whack them with hoses right. and, and and only take them to the hospital when it's absolutely necessary. Right. So before that, there's no due process, huh? See? 100% no. Right. Uh, it's worse, right? Because when I was doing my chambering, which is sort of a housemanship, yep. uh, we have to do legal aid. Yeah. So my legal aid was UNHCR. So I was... In, ah, uh, High Commission work. for Refugees. Yeah, so yeah, one fantastic. day a week, we go there for about four four months. Right. And one of our jobs is to, uh, we're in a unit where uh, the refugees can come and report um, um, host, hostile behavior towards them. Right. Or danger, they feel danger. Right. So it could be police, they could feel police pressure or it could be anything, lah, sure. right? But of course, if it's a criminal case, UNHCR won't touch. Right, right. But if they feel a threat like kidnapping or yeah. something like that, yeah. then UNHCR will reach out to the relevant agencies, the police or whoever, yeah. and try and figure out what's going on. Right. The cases that you hear, dude, it is mad. You won't even believe it. Right. The police, right, they are mad mm. because they look at these refugees like they're not cities, they're not people. Right, right. Because technically, they have no legal status in the in country. In the country, yes. They okay. will just see you because 
you either have a UNHCR card. Right. If you're in waiting for UNHCR card, they'll give you a piece of paper. Right. Right. Um, with the UNHCR card, technically you're allowed to move around. Right. But you still can't get a driving license. Right, right, right. Okay. Most of these guys are like lorry drivers or they're working for uh, a Kabon or whatever. Right. They drive lorry. They all will drive illegally. Right, right. No how, license. Right. right. How else are they going to get their bread and butter? Yes. They get stopped by the police. They're doing something illegal. If there's paper or what, the police officer just tear it. Right. Punch them, kick yeah. them, whack them. Right. It's very normal. Right. It's very normal. Yep. I mean, these are cases that have been reported. Right. I cannot say 100% whether they're true or not. Right. But what I can say is, I've heard many, many refugees right. complain about police just Brutality. beating right. them I see. up. Yep. And so it's not, I think, a problem uh, of, it might be a problem of race, but it's specifically a problem of police brutality. Our yes. police officers, they have been trained to not, they've been trained to deal with these situations in this particular way. I see. You know, when it, it, it's just like these people are animals. Yes. So we treat them like animals and you have to discipline them like dogs. Oh, like that. goodness. Okay. So it's, yeah. it's just crazy. La. So we're talking about, we're talking about a sickness that's part of the system really. You see? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, there are times when there is an unnatural amount of focus on the particular profile of the latest victim. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, our, our, if, since you brought up, I guess the reason why we're talking about this at all is because um, the Eganapati case is yep. um, at the forefront right now and, yep. you know, it's ongoing. But you're right. You know, if we just talk about this, we're talking about a symptom, but we're not talking about the problem, which is police brutality. Yeah. How is this allowed to happen? Yeah, and why yeah. are you only talking about Ganapati? Because yeah. that just narrows it to Indians when there are other people also suffering. Correct, yeah. It's a systematic problem that yes. affects, I think, yep. the lowest in the community. Correct. So people who have fewer avenues to turn to yeah. or less ability to uh, reach out for legal recourse yeah. or somebody that, or, or just generally somebody that has their back. Yeah. And yeah. also these are, like you said, maybe people who have a general distrust of authority. Yes. It could start off when they are kids in school and they are being so, you know, they it could be many things that maybe their parents are super busy, cannot manage them. Yeah. So they are a bit more naughty in school. Right. And so because of that, they are targeted by their teachers as always Correct. being a naughty one. And then, one. you know, beaten and singled out. Singled and, you know, out. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing worse for a child than shame, right? Yeah. yeah. And there's yeah. an anti- uh, uh, I can't get the word now. Uh, but it's a, uh, uh, a sort of hostile relationship between yep. the student and the teacher. Yes. And then later becomes any authority figure, yep. bosses yep. or or even police. And so maybe when they are um, exposed to the situation, yep. then they have all those negative um, experiences they've had come to the forefront. Yes. And correct. so they generally, and the police can feel the they're, distrust. They're, they're, they're just reverting to, to prior training, right? Yeah. Basically these people, yeah. For yeah. me, when I go to a police check, I just turn on my light. Immediately. <laughs> honestly. Right. Because it's I want to show reaction, them. reaction, right? Yeah. yeah. I want to show them, look, Nothing. Yeah. What do you want me? To, I got nothing. Honestly, I have nothing to hide. Yeah. You want to stop me? Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Check my car. I yeah. got no issue. You're just going to waste your time. Yeah. And honestly, that confidence, I think really... They can see that. They're they like, can feel it. Right. There's clearly nothing to find here. Yeah. Please yeah. move along. Have a good evening. My Maivi yeah. is not tinted. Yes. At all. You know, I mean, tinted, lah, but not dark. Correct. Right? Yeah. So anyone can... JBG compliant. JBG. 100% JBG. <laughs> <laughs> the mechanic was like... I, mechanic specific to me... Jangan buat gelap sangat lah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, sure. Right. 
But yeah, you know, yeah. so... But I'm, I'm glad you bring this up, man. You know, these are very important conversations to have because they need to start with what you and I as normal people um, are able to accept or able to allow in society for the conversation to grow. So if people weren't talking about this at all, perhaps police brutality will continue to be a thing. Yeah. But and, yeah. So yes, yeah. In, in that way... And I'm not saying that whatever happened to this Mr. Ganapati is yes. a good thing. Yeah. It's not. It's a horrible thing shouldn't have happened to him. Yes. But definitely, it's great that it's shed a light on this issue, this systemic issue. Yes. Correct. And hopefully, but yeah. I'm just hopeful. I'm hoping that we are mature enough to understand the actual depth of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and not only see it specifically as an Indian issue, yep. but as a us entire systematic yep. issue yep. that affects the lowest in our community. Yeah. And you know, since we we started this conversation talking about um you know the I guess the mistreatment of black males in America. Yeah. Um the straw that broke the camel's back really was uh George Floyd, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um it was somehow the breaking point of uh, cases that had built up to to the present, which included people like Trayvon Martin and Breonna Taylor, yeah. um, you know, and all these people. It, it really is like, how much is too much? And you will reach a point where people are fed up. It's like that, there are only so many excuses that can be used for so long to cover up systemic bad behavior. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I just, with, with the American police, I don't get why they just give, they, they should just give everybody body cams. They should, totally. They, I don't understand, yeah. at the very least, yeah. why don't they do that? I mean, I understand, of course, I understand that their politics is different. Their states have a lot of autonomy yeah, yes, and all yeah. that. State law is different. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yes. I get all of that. I get, but I just like, practically, I just wonder, at least give everyone body cams. Yeah. At least, you know, it would deter like corrupt poli police officers. Because yeah. you, you know, once that um, there's a case and the police officer turns off their body cam, you know it's something shady. Correct. Why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. If you were if you were going to go go by the book, why would you not want to have that in the best form of evidence, which is a video recording? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, are you and I ready to have a discussion about why there are no body cams on Malaysian police officers? Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. In fact, that that would that would fix our corruption problem. Man. Nobody would be offering bribes at roadblocks anymore yeah. because you would be implicated, and so would the police officer. Hundred percent. Actually, yeah. why don't we have body cams? Maybe it's cost. I don't know. I'm not. I, I. I don't know why it hasn't been implemented yet. You know, perhaps there are a lot of bigger issues that we need to solve in terms of where the funding is going. Yeah. But body cams. Okay. I'm. I. I don't have the statistics at the top of my head or where, which state specifically, or it could have even been a county. But the use of body cams mm. sharply reduced the frequency of complaints against the police for excessive force. Mm. Um, and also there was increased satisfaction in police protection in this place because, man, you know, I don't want to say it, but maybe when you are being recorded at all times, like when you call a customer service hotline and they tell you yeah. that this call is being reported for uh, quality improvement and training purposes, yep. you might keep the profanity to a minimum. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, when you know people are watching, your behavior gets adjusted. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah that's 100% true. Yeah. I was thinking maybe we could have like a grab system where we like can rate our police officer. But then I realized that that might be bad. La. Correct. In the end of the day, you want a police officer who is independent. La, yes, correct. And not, not accountable to your... To your ratings, you yeah, know? Yeah, And then, 100%. you know, you don't like him, but he's actually a good officer. You give him a bad rating. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You know, okay, yeah. That, that wouldn't make sense. But yeah, like a, like a body cam would help a lot. Yeah. Again, even with Malaysian police officers, there's such a level of distrust. It's a yeah. bit sad. La. Yeah. Because 
you know, the reason why we're, we're, we're doing this as a debate and a discussion is because I've personally had fantastic experience with very helpful police officers. Yep, yep, yep. You know, I've been in, in, in car accidents as well. Um, you know, uh, goodness, I've lost a handphone. You know, things like this have happened. Most of the time, there's not so much these people can do, but a kind word and a pat on the back and a come, let me help you yeah. um, is sometimes all the thing that you need to, to, you know, I guess, get in the right frame of mind to fix a problem. Yeah. I've had fantastic interactions with certain police officers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, nobody is out here trying to, to uh, say one bad apple means the whole bunch is spoiled. Mm. Um, but it is unfortunate that the stories of negativity and brutality are overshadowing the positive stories from the same police force. Also, maybe a, a problem that just came to my mind is that excuse me, um, the middle class and uh, the, 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 the top class in Malaysia, yeah. we don't have a culture of going to public service. You know, we, we especially if you're non-Malay, right. you straight away go private. Yeah. So you have like, and even actually, yeah, if you're Malay, education, even, all of that. Even yeah. if you're Malay, right? Yeah. If you're really, really smart, if you're really, really good at what you do, you go to private because you can earn the most. Right. And so you... Oh, you're talking about career prospects. Career prospects. Yeah. Okay. And so a lot of our sharpest, uh, brightest and best end up working in banks. Right. Uh, MNCs, GLCs. Yeah. Or they become entrepreneurs. Fair enough. But then, if, and I'm not trying to say this in a bad way, but the the pool, the selection pool that goes towards becoming our teachers, yeah. our poli police officers, yeah. the quality might not be as good as it can be. Yeah. Or we don't have, you know, like peer pressure. You oh, need dude. Okay. I'm going to, this is something like I'm more than happy to say hmm. we are underpaying yep. our teachers and police and doctors and bomba and a lot of this, I guess, civil services mm. um, and public services, are they woefully underpaid and thereby not being able to attract the best talent? I 150% agree. Because it feels yeah. like they are just jobs made for the sake of jobs, you know. Yeah, fulfilling they're, the function. They're, yeah. they're, they're not only fulfilling the function, but they're just spots for, for their, they're just government spaces yeah. for them to keep People employed. employed. Yeah, yeah. Basically, you're saying, you know, is there access uh, capacity? Sometimes when you go to, um, you know, either a JPJ or a JPN mm. and you need to get certain things done and you wonder why there are so many people but things are moving at a particular pace, yeah. perhaps you're right. Yeah, because yeah. because there are like government institutions that are very efficient. They yes. are very good. Yes. Securities Commission. Yes. Bank Negara. Correct. Kazana. Yes. Okay, you will find Malays, Indians, Chinese, you find everyone there and they're all really, really, really good, right? But that's because they're incentivized. Correct. But Compensation that is equal to the work that you're putting in. But you yeah. don't have that same dynamic in our schools. Yep. And our schools are so important, right? Yep. You know? You're raising the next generation of people. I mean, I don't want to sound like, I believe children yeah. are the future. You know, it's, it's, it's very tempting to say that, yes, we shall raise our children, right? And that will fix all the problems. Yeah. That's what our parents thought as well. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. You know, the, the, the importance of early childhood education, mm. not only in terms of teaching these people, um, teaching children the knowledge that they need, but really shaping them morally and ethically, Mm. cannot be overstated. 100%. Yeah, you know, so 
when you talk about um, the the sacrifices that teachers are making, especially now during the pandemic and having to do online classes, they were not really, you know, they this was something that they were not really trained for, having to buy all sorts of hardware, computer, get all this done. There is really a, a situation of like, man, you know, we we could be encouraging the very best in terms of the teaching force in Malaysia in a way that perhaps um, Scandinavian countries are doing. Yeah. You know, um, I'm trying to pull a, an example from the top of my mind. I think it's Denmark. Hmm. Um, you know, teachers are paid incredibly well. Hmm. And the barrier to entry into the teaching profession yeah. is mad. Yeah. That should be the way. Definitely. Yes. If I could do, like, if I was in government, the one thing, that's be the one thing I would do. I would straight away tackle education. Yep. I would straight away go to Maktab. Yep. And I would make it much more difficult for you to become a school teacher. Yes. Yep. And I know yep. that that would create a strain because you need teachers to for the country. Correct. But it's just this, the, the century-old uh, battle between quantity versus quality. Yes. You know, yep. and you just, I don't think you should compromise on on, on quality. No, you shouldn't. Um, you know, one thing that I guess you and I were, were fortunate to see grow, um, perhaps from the time we were studying until now, is a program like Teach for Malaysia, yeah. TFM, where, you know, which, which put people like me and you, mm. um, who, you know, um, with full disclosure, um, like you said, middle income upbringing, yep. um, into rural schools or, or um, you know, schools that I guess uh, due to, um, well, location or a lack of a particular set of results, perhaps when getting the right kind of attention, um, it really, there was a br very bright light that was now being trained onto what a lack of resources does to childhood development. Yeah. Yeah. So education is something very close to my heart. I I, I come from, I, not really a family of teachers, uh, but, you know, uh, my father was a teacher um, mm. in the army. My grandfather uh, was an Indian national who came to Malaysia to become a teacher. Mm. Um, you know, uh, goodness, my my mother used to teach me, my friends, and some of our cousins, mathematics. Yeah. Um, I feel like the two pillars of what can really shape a country or fix a lot of problems is education and healthcare. Hmm. If you sort education and healthcare, you will realize that a lot of the other problems become infinitely more easy to tackle. Mm -hmm. You give access to people to be the best versions of themselves that they can be, yep. uh, which is education and opportunity. And, you know, I want to really stress that this is not really just about book learning and, you yeah, know, not 100%. everybody. Yeah, yeah, you know, not, sure. correct. It's not about giving, uh, getting everyone a paper certificate. It isn't. Because no. if you have a paper certificate, uh, the jobs are still going to be scarce. Yes. So what you need is an education that uh, trains people to become entrepreneurial. Yes. To make their own opportunities, Correct. create their own yeah. spaces. Or even if it's not entrepreneurial, if it's not fully academic, um, vocational, technical. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You basically like look, your potential is here. I want to help you get there, no matter in which direction it is. Mm. Yeah. I think we should also talk about uh, your latest project, bro, because. <laughs> It's already two hours. Okay, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, it hasn't felt like that at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, mics might as well not be here, right? We're just having a chat on this Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, so what what are you doing now? What's your latest um, 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 project? Okay, so me personally? Yep. Okay. Um, you know, like I, 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 like I said, uh, for work, um, you know, I work for Malaysia's uh, and you know, if 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 you if you permit me, I'm gonna yeah, drop yeah. the you know. No, that, that was my way of oh, signaling to you. Allowing me that it's I'm able time to do that. for oh, you to drop. Fantastic. <laughs> okay, right. So, 
Malaysia's premier monthly car subscription service right. called Flux. Nice. Um, and we launched in October 2019. And what we do is we give people an alternative to car ownership that is both flexible and convenient. Yep. Um, and it allows you to enjoy your perfect car um, with um, a monthly service or up to three years mm-hmm. um, with all sorts of benefits, such as a concierge service to take your car to and from the workshop mm. uh, for maintenance milestones. Um, renewal of Rotex and insurance on your behalf um, in one simple monthly payment. Mm. So this is what I do. And you know, I, my, my entire career has been about cars, but in all sorts of, um, I guess, strange and vastly different ways. Mm. Um, you know, PR, journalism, and now um, I'm, I'm at Flux. Um, so this, and- this is not a, a short-term sort of, this is not like, you know, some- this is not daily or hourly. No, right. ours is really long-term. Right. Um, where you're thinking about, I need my next car. Yeah, you're, you're, what should you're, I do? You're looking at something like uh, instead of buying a house, you're going to rent, rent a property. You you can draw that parallel well. because when you rent a property, you do have, um, I guess, uh, certain benefits such as you know, uh, you can if you if you want to, I guess, uh, migrate or you want to move somewhere else. Um, or you need a bigger space, you wait out the end of the contract and you move to to uh, the next place that suits your needs, whether that's in a different country or a different kind of uh, domicile or anything like that. Yep. For what we do at Flux, it is largely the same thing. We don't want to keep you committed and tied down in a negative way. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Um, and you know, this is a, a business model that I really believe in because I think as we move further into the direction of shared services uh, and tech starts to really dictate how we move around in our daily lives Um, and space continues to be more at a premium, you know, and I think, okay, a lot of that is very theoretical. I'm going to talk about the now, um, really why you should be considering a subscription is because a bank loan where you want to keep the car for three years, but you're paying for a five-year loan, which you have to settle early. There are all sorts of disadvantages to that. Mm. You know, when you sell the car, you need to make sure it's able to cover the, the remaining balance on your loan. Um, you know, if not, you might have to top it up a little bit, um, you know, and I guess where's the money coming from that you want to put towards your next down payment? Really, the question is, what are your particular needs? So the thing that I'm going to say is subscription is not the answer to everything. People like me and you mm. who buy the one Perodua and use it for 20, 30, 40 years, mm. subscription is not for me and you. Mm. But for people out there who, look, I wish I could change car every three years to suit my needs, Mm. or I just really enjoy having the latest uh, generation of a particular model or the latest Mm. version of a particular car. Mm. Or, look, I really don't enjoy going to workshops because I'm not very technically inclined and I don't really understand automotive maintenance. So Mm. I wish somebody could do that on my behalf to make sure that I'm getting the work done that I need to do, uh, not anything more than that, and I'm paying what I should be paying. So we take care a lot. Of, we take care of a lot of things that most people don't find to be a good use of their time. Mm. And more recently, we've also um, extended this to companies. So we have something called Flux Business Class, which is for um, businesses and corporates. Right. Where again, we take care of all of these mundane day-to-day administrative and maintenance things on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's Flux. So you 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 guys buy your own cars and. You, you, you So Flux is really like Airbnb in the sense that we don't own these right, cars. Right. But we're able to use technology and our fantastic service to connect people to the right cars. Car. All right. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So man. we work with retailers, we work with dealers, uh, we work with, you know, all these businesses that either typically sell cars or rent cars out or have cars. And we connect 
these people who have these cars to willing subscribers who want to do everything through our service. Nice. Yes. Brilliant, man. Brilliant. Uh, Where if, do you think so? <laughs> if people want to follow, what are your handles? Ah, okay. Personal right. or so, otherwise? Right. So, you know, um, uh, Flux, just go to www.dryflux.com. Do you have an app? Uh, we don't have an app because the, the way in which that people um, interact with their cars for Flux is not frequent enough that you need an app. Right. You know, you log in once a month, maybe just to check how many um, kilometers you have balance on your mileage uh, package. Mm. Or, you know, when is your subscription coming to an end? Mm. So this is one of the good things about what we do is that you don't really need to be so involved. You just imagine, it's the benefit of having your own car for which you don't need to log into an app every day and who does that? Yeah. Um, but without the drawbacks of, of being committed. So, you know, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Driveflux. Um, you know, I, I I should say that, you know, you've been very kind to allow me to to talk about Flux um, as part of this podcast. You know, Flux isn't my startup by any means. I, I, I work for Flux, but it's a concept I completely believe in because uh, I feel it is the evolution of car ownership. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant, man. Mm. Um, I think we should wrap up. All right. So normally we wrap up with either uh, a sort of a thought or recommendations. But I think for you, we should do recommendations. Okay. So I think we should each recommend. Um, and I think for for a person who is, you're talking to a person who is just getting into experiencing particular things, right? Okay. So okay, sure. one whiskey to try. Okay. Uh, one watch uh-huh. to look at. Wow. And one car to drive. Okay. You know, this is exactly the kind of divisive questions, right? That will get uh, a flurry but, of support and an avalanche of protest. But I'm helping you because we're talking specific to a specific person. Okay. We're okay. talking to Joe. Okay, who's Joe? Uh, and Joe is this guy who is in his late 20s. Right. Just coming into a little bit of money now. Okay. okay. He wants to step into the, the, the luxurious life just a little bit. Okay. Not too much. Right. So he just okay. wants to try it. Okay. Joe. If you're wondering what that first single malt should be or that first uh, set of wheels or that first watch, okay. Let's start with the watch. I feel like a good solid Seiko 5 is a good place to start. Okay. It's a mechanical watch and you know it is really the best introduction I feel into the world of mechanical watches. You know, mm. Seiko is a is a household legendary name. They make fantastic watches. And you know, if you equate uh, Seiko to Toyota, then Grand Seiko is uh, uh, is Lexus. You mm. know, they they are just Japanese manufacturing expertise on a tiny scale that sits on your wrist. Mm. Um, I have a Seiko and I love it to bits. Um, you know, and you will find that this is a good starting point. And um, you know, when you start building up that watch collection and you start adding more and more watches to, to your watch winder, you'll always go back to that Seiko because it's like, man, I can always rely on you. You've been fantastic. Yep. Um, and, you know, a mechanical watch takes um, care. You know, it, you need TLC. You need to make sure that it's winding. So mine is a, um, automatic winding, which means that you need to move your wrist so that uh, the balance wheel, at the, uh, the weight at the back turns and winds up the watch. Wow. Okay. okay. Um, so you need to wear this watch. You know, there are other watches that are manual winding where you turn the crown, the thing that adjusts the time, mm. and that's where you're putting energy into the watch that slowly unwinds and it ticks, right? Yep. So I feel like a Seiko is a good place to start. That's the watch. Okay, let's go to the whiskey next. Okay. As far as the whiskey goes, go to a good whiskey bar right. 
Tell them what you generally like and see what they recommend to you. I can tell you that you can never go wrong with a Belvini double wood. Okay. Okay? Uh, because it is just... It is the perfect combination of flavors and texture that I've never met a single person who doesn't like it. Right. But it will open your eyes to the possibilities of single malt whiskey. Right. So Belvini double wood on the whiskey. I feel very strongly about that. <laughs> um, when you talk about a car... Now, Joe, I'm going to assume that you are single, yep. you haven't got any children, and you don't carry pets on a regular basis. Wow. Someone really should be paying me for this recommendation <laughs> huh, if, I, if I name drop on that. But um, Joe, I'm going to say that a Proton X50 is a good starting point. Hmm. You're getting very good tech and exceptional power in the flagship specification go all the way to the top joe you know don't go don't get standard premium or any of this man get flagship and get in in a bright color let people see you coming okay um and good value because when you're in your late 20s you still need to build up a good foundation of um, savings and and solid financials. You know, you so should be thinking... Don't, don't go for the S-Class just yet. Don't uh. go for the S-Class <laughs> just yet. Don't go for the S-Class just yet. Start putting money into the retirement fund. Yep. Um, you know, start looking at ways in which you can uh, gradually invest to grow your wealth. Mm. Start with something that shows you um, that you have come some way, yep. but also reminds you that there's still some way to go. Mm. You know, you can never appreciate things that are better if you start at the very top. Mm -hmm. So with watches, whiskey, cars, and basically everything, you can start well, but if you aim high, you will never be able to appreciate what that high is all about. Yep, yep, yeah, yep, so, yep. all right. So the that's, a, yeah, good wrist, point. that's yeah. a good point though, because if you start with the if you it's like if i want to have sushi right, right. and i go to the, the top class sushi yes but if it's my first time i won't really appreciate it because in any case it's my first time having sushi yes. completely correct you know if you you know you know that um documentary zero dreams of sushi you know if you go there okay mm. it's on I, I believe it's still on netflix i'm exactly. not sure but this guy was the first michelin star sushi restaurant and it's a hole in the wall okay right but his attention to detail and the work that he puts in, in sourcing the best, you know, fish um, or whatever he puts in front of you and how he puts it together. If you eat that, Roshan, you'll never be able to eat sushi anywhere else ever again. And, you know, that'll probably be the worst thing ever because you need to fly to Japan every time you have a sushi fix. All right. But if you go to good places that you can, you know, I guess, I, I don't want to use the word start small because, you know, Japanese restaurants are, 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 are fantastic no matter where you start from. Mm. But you have to try mass sushi mm. before you make your way up mm. and can really understand what sets this apart. Mm. Where is the belly fat in this tuna that I'm eating where yeah. it's just so perfect that it's melting in my mouth? Yeah, I think yeah. like if I'm driving a Maybe, for example, and when I if I drive a S-Class, for example, yeah. because I have driven a Maybe, yes. I would be able to appreciate the S-Class further, yes. right? Yes. Or, or at a deeper level. Correct. Mm. You know, if you start with the S-Class, you're like, oh, this is how this things is are standard. supposed to be. This is the standard. Yeah. And What's what next? Privileged life that is. Uh, Rolls Royce Phantom Navy. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Okay, man. Thank you so much for coming. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Roshan. Thanks for having uh, me. It's we, been fun. The time has passed like nothing else. Yeah, yeah. we should do this again. Uh, yeah. Maybe with Isa next time. Maybe with Isa. <laughs> you know, and we can let her 
uh, we can give her the platform to respond to these hideous <laughs> allegations that are being thrown at her. Come at me, Aisa. <laughs> I will moderate and mediate. <laughs> okay, for all those listening, thank you so much uh, from uh, myself and Michelle. Uh, stay good, stay healthy, and stay safe. Thank you, everyone. We are done.